아 잠깐 제시카 외동딸 일리노이 시카고 과선배는 김지모 그는 이사촌 Happy holidays and welcome everyone to the Film Effect Podcast, where it's officially award season. So welcome to Best Picture Month on the podcast. I'm Ed, and always with me is my cinematic life mate, Sean. Good morning, Film Effect. And if you happen to be a fellow cinephile like us, or just a casual fan of films overall, then this is the right place. Every week we do deep dives and touch lives. Focusing on a single film each episode in an effort to give it that full film effect treatment. But before we... This fact! (laughs) I want to let you guys know that our ever-going collection of previous episodes can be found on our website at podpage.com slash the-film-effect-podcast as well as all major platforms. Direct link in the episode notes. And if you're one of the 50% of our listeners who check us out on Apple Podcasts, then help us conquer that algorithm by letting us know your thoughts on this episode and how we're doing overall in the form of a review. Even if you're not an Apple user, if you're listening on a service that allows you to leave a rating and review, then please do so and let us know if we're doing all right and if there's something that you would like us to change. Every opinion counts, guys. Yes, tell Steve Jobs' turtleneck what you think of us. There you go. All right, Sean, so where can we be found by fellow kids on the popular socials, Facebook and Instagram? How do you do, fellow kids? You can find us at the Film Effect Podcast yeah, on Facebook and Instagram. You haven't seen your moment there if that pause? <laughs> where can I was, I was trying to get my Buscemi on <laughs> where can the 20th of Twitter tweet us at uh, so you can tweet us at Film Effect Pod and if you want to be old fashioned send us an email where can said email be sent the Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com alright there's something wrong with the fact that I have a 14 year old daughter oh my god that's right today was her birthday yesterday was her birthday yesterday yeah. where'd you get her uh, got her a bunch of Machine Gun Kelly shirts. I Ooh. got her a tote bag of Jason Voorhees. Right got, on. I got her a couple of pins. I forgot what they said. She I got said her, that MGK dude. Yeah, I got her a, uh, a pride flag that's like 30 by 50. She can hang on her wall. Right on. Uh, left her a card with 30 bucks inside of it. Yeah. And there was something else. Oh, a pair of fingerless gloves so she can be like her old man. Yeah, you guys and your fingerless gloves. Uh, I like to keep my palms warm in the winter winter but my fingertips need to freeze yeah it's a thing it's a better grip yeah it's like john bender yeah (laughs) i mean it it looks cool but functionality i see no fucking point in it 
But you do it. You tend you tend to make it work, and you know you're passing on to the princess, man. So happy, do me a solid. Give her a happy birthday hug for me. I forgot yesterday was your birthday. You know what else has happened yesterday? What's that? George Clooney turned down a thirty-five million dollar payday for just a day's work. You know why? It wasn't okay. worth it. He literally said in the end, and the reasoning is like, I've got so much money from all of my projects. I just choose them sparingly, and it just didn't seem like it was worth it. Whether it was because I have issues with some of their the the, the, the country or wherever it was from, based out of, but he thought thirty five million dollars for a single day's worth worth of work was just not worth. You know, I can see just see like George Clooney's like Scrooge McDuck like Ducktales like diving into a fucking pool of you know gold and shit. Like that's what he does now with his off time because he sure shit ain't acting anymore. I mean, for the for the record, I can work on a pretty solid George Clooney impression. I'll take half that and work for a fucking week. So tell me, give me a call. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know. What role did he turn down? What was he supposed to play Bruce Wayne again? I'm assuming off the, the, the vague wording from both parties, uh, the, the, the produ- production company, not production, the, um, the outlet that released this story, plus his quotes, um... I got the I, impre- I got the impression that it was like an airline, like maybe like a day's worth going to the studio, record, lay down some dialogue, like a voiceover. Oh, so what? Maybe it wasn't even like a theatrical. I thought maybe they took no. the nipples off the bat suit and they were trying to get him to suit up again. Nothing like that at all. It was probably a commercial or a or a voiceover for like a. Well, he's. Promo. I mean, at the end of the day, he's he's got those those um those espresso residual checks coming in. Doesn't he have them? fucking cappuccino maker commercial money coming in I, I no that's idea. that's the last thing i saw him do outside um, of the coen brothers movie he did so this happened hmm. maryland homeowners burned down their home while attempting to rid the house of snakes here's the article in cnn this is what's going on in our neighborhood oh sweet people are literally Jesus. burning their houses down to get rid of the snakes i think they uh accomplished the mission <laughs> i don't think the snakes are there anymore <laughs> It's that, it, what what, that's, that's that's like the eight old age old adage, like burn down your home to catch the mouse. They, somebody finally fucking did it. They did it here. What where do they do it at? Let's where, read where this. Let's there we go. First paragraph. What started as an attempt to get rid of pesky creatures ended up with an entire house going up in flames. A house of nearly ten thousand square feet in Dickerson, Maryland, an hour Dickerson. west of Baltimore was engulfed in flames on November 23rd when the homeowner tried to smoke out a snake infestation on the property. Smoke it out. Smoke it out. Uh, The snakes had been an ongoing issue for this owner and previous tenant as well. I think they got the snake's attention with this one. (laughs) I mean, don't you think now at the end of the day, don't you think this dipshit was like, maybe I should have called the exterminator? (laughs) The Orkin Man. Right. I mean... I get it, Joe Exotic's in prison, you, you know, and and that, you know, the weird Australian. You know, I have dead. never ever seen a single episode of Tiger King, so all the references and memes and shit go over my head. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, it was again, it was, it was. Like, I don't know who the fuck Carol Baskin is. The, apparently, she's really hated, but yeah, the, the she's only the only reason it free. worked is the only reason it worked is because it was released at the time when the whole world was locked in and had nothing to do but stream and watch TV. Yeah. Because that second season hit, and I'm like, who gives a fuck? I can get up and It already house. hit? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, and finally, 
did you see the news of the new Chainsaw Massacre? Uh, I, I saw Fetty Alvarez um, has completed it. Was there a trailer? I started reading the article, but I didn't finish it. Was there a trailer? The I trailer know. literally just dropped. No, did it really? Okay, because I know it's coming to Netflix in what, like the next month or two, right? February eighteenth. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be dropped right on Netflix. But it's you know it's Fetty Alvarez who did uh you know the Evil Dead remake, which you know remakes of a beloved horror film. I wasn't mad at that one. You know, me and you and I went and saw it in the theater. I, um, I said I was withholding judgment until I saw something. So, without further ado, let's oh see shit, something. we're gonna watch it. All right, gang. Here it is, live on air. Huh. Yeah, it was me. I was born in nineteen seventy-four. <laughs> nice. There's a song. Hey. That's a cool effect. Uh -huh. That was it. There it is. All right, all right. The saw is family. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't mad at the last two, the three uh, D one and the one with Lily Taylor and Stephen Dorff. No, I wasn't I, mad at either one of them. There have been a lot of shitty sequels, reboots, remakes, or franchise con continuities attempts. Um, I think Chainsaw only missed a beat when Michael Bay got involved. I. See, I, I'm obviously. I think yeah, Platinum Dunes bullshit. I like them. Nah, yeah. those those things. So I told Venker the other day. I said I always get excited whenever a new Chainsaw Massacre film is announced because chainsaws literally scare me to death. So being a horror fan as I am, it's an instant win for me. Yeah. All the films in the series have their own pros and cons, including you, Next Generation. I'm looking at your sorry ass in the corner. I need <laughs> to see a trailer, which I suspect will be premiering very soon with the release being so close and then boom one day later we get a trailer drop nice so I mean it's a Chainsaw Massacre film so it's on Netflix I'll check it out yeah um, I'll, I'll be there first night with beer in hand I mean like I said uh, outside of the Platinum Dunes bullshit and that you know McConaughey Zellywigs offshoot that we covered hey previous episode <laughs> right that was just like completely bug nuts and out of nowhere. Um, I dig it. I, I, I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is hands down one of the funniest, most uncomfortable comedies ever made. Three. Underrated. Just, three is very underrated. Underrated. Fun. Very fun. Um, the, the 3D one, and you get even you get past the 3D gimmick. It works. You got Marilyn Burns is back, you know. 
Um, yeah, but the time, the whole time thing on that movie is always fucking. It's, me. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's like the, which I've already heard. I've, I've I asked Adam Marcus, who wrote the film, myself, like, what's up with that? And his response was, the film was supposed to be sent in the nineties. It was supposed to be just a twenty-year gap. That's why the, the Heather character is so young, and everyone else in the cast, her group of friends, are all so young because it's supposed to be. The film was supposed to be set in the nineties, and then they would have gotten away with it. But then the studio wanted to insert this scene with this cop yanking out an iPhone to live stream the shit. Right. And that was from the studio. Right. That was not in his script. So right. that was the answer I got from uh, Adam Marcus about a year ago when um, we did a watch along for uh, Jason Goes to Hell. And I asked, I, that was my question. It wasn't even Jason related. It was about that other face movie. Well, at least at least you got it from the source. Yeah, yeah, and he told you me. Know, exactly and and what as, and what was cool with that was you you know you had Mosley coming back because he you know he loved working with Seedow, so he's like, fuck if anybody's gonna play Seedow now that he's dead, let it be me. You know, and then even the the um the the, the moment Lily Taylor and Stephen Dorff. Leatherface. Leatherface, right? The, yeah, uh, that was fun. Like a little guessing it's not game bad. is a. As to who's gonna, you know, it's it does, but, it does. Yeah. There's there there's, you know, leaps and and gaps abound, but you know, it still kind of keeps you on your toes for your first viewing. Yeah. You know, and who you think is gonna wind up being Bubba? Ain't the guy that's gonna turn out to be Bubba. I kind of would like to see a segue in between to see that character become the Bubba that we know. You know, but uh, yeah. So, and out of out of all the franchises that are getting, you know, getting to hit the reset button, or the studios going back to the well, I'm not mad at Texas Chainsaw. If it, it's it's put my, money. My to issue is part. I see what they're doing with this one, but they did it not even ten years ago. A direct I, sequel to the original. That was what Chainsaw 2013 was. Right. So we'll see. Again, right. I want to see. Right. Like how many, And that was more know, of a like, teaser we watched. That wasn't even a full trailer. No, so I'm still no, so, gonna withhold yeah, judgment. Yeah, until yeah. I see jury's, more. jury's still out. Um. I mean, yeah. Yes. I, I'm with you. How many times can you go back to that same fucking water? They've already dipped their pen in twice already. But I'm not gonna. Not watch it. I'm not going to turn my eyes away, especially since I can do it right here for a moment. All right, shout outs. Shout out to his family. I'm going to shout out best film ever this week, just for being there since the very beginning. Yeah, when, man. When it was just myself and I was work networking, it's kind of ironic how I found Ian through Facebook. And he doesn't even utilize the platform except for live stream and uh, trivia episodes. Which, by the way. Little acknowledgement that I'm going to be a part of on returning this Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern streaming live on Facebook. Going to be competing for uh, that goddamn trophy I just had. I almost had just a few months back when I was on there. And uh, fucking Marvel question at the end did me in. So I'm back with a vengeance, baby. And you can watch it as well on Facebook this Saturday. Are you yeah, allowed to call a friend? This Saturday. A speed dog. No, not like that at all. No, so okay. Anyway, yeah, just... Good gang, good episodes, uh, best film ever. Shout out, support them by giving them a follow and a listen, and moving right along. Current events. Spotify wrapped. I, I heard about this the other day. What the fuck is this thing? 
It's something that they do every year on Spotify. Uh, it's just like, it just like but hang on, ranks before you go screaming. into your old man fucking no, 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 I'm just, I, I just let me explain you what it is. You get all okay. you get worked up and angry. Calm down. Get the fuck off every my lawn. Every year, Spotify, at this time of year, early December, gives you like a year in review. Okay, for both listeners and for podcasters now, we have our own. So I'm going to go through this year. It's basically Spotify giving us, here's the numbers for your show this year on our brand. So 2021, a lot of firsts this year. Of course, I started my podcast. First episode put out, True Romance, February 1st. Got to feel good. Feels great. Almost one year to be the, to the day. Um. I don't Old read, man I rant. don't read the animations. <laughs> He's come off as. All right. Your show made some new friends in new places. You've got your first dreams in six new countries. This, These places loved you the most. The U.S., the U.K., Canada, Australia, and France. Thank you, guys. All right. And we had a lot of fans. Really? 19 people listened to our podcast more than any other. What? To those 19 people. Thank you. 19 people. It's, it's like a, me, you, Sounds Brown like a low number, but hey, man, we're, we're still young. Four <laughs> people listen to us on International Podcast Day. Oh, hey, that's your day. Okay, cool. <laughs> Must have been a slow day. Who's <laughs> the listening to Suspiria episodes? Yeah. Probably scared them shitless. I'll never come back. 37% of our fans listen to us between 11 a.m. and 5 p.m., making it the most popular time. So we're kind of like an afternoon, you like drive time type thing. Or like the type of podcast you listen to at work. Film Effect released 8,754 minutes of content across 63 Sweet. episodes. Jeez. Please remember to drink water. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank us for sharing 2021 with them. Same time next year. Sure, we'll be around. <laughs> Weekly recommends. All right. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? What do you got this week? Mm. <laughs> I watched that movie Fat Man the other day. Oh, fucking Mel Gibson? <laughs> yeah, Mel Gibson is Frank Santa Grillo. Claus. Yeah, Grillo's in it for a minute. It's, uh, it's, uh, Walt Goggins is the goddamn That's hit right, man. Walt it's, Goggins. It's Goggins is the hitman. That's right. And <laughs> fucking Gibson is just like this grizzled, disheveled version of... Like, it's it's not an award winner by any means. You know, I caught it on Peacock. Yeah, I watched it last year. Did you? Did you? Okay. Yeah. So what I liked, I thought it was kind of clever how they worked the Saint, you know, the Nick, the Saint Nick, like <clears throat> ideology into, you know, in the modern day. But, um, you know me, I'm a sucker for Goggins, dude. I just, I'm just a sucker for Walt Goggins. And yeah, so it was just goofy, like two hours worth. I had I had two hours of kill in the morning, right? You know, and I saw that it was streaming for free on Peacock, so I queued up Fat Man. Um, so yeah, it's not it's it's not a, it's not any kind of deep dive award winner or nothing, but you know, you, you want some goofy, weird, fucking holiday flick that's a bit off the norm. You could you could do worse than Fat Man. <laughs> No, I I watched it about a year ago. What'd you I, think? I rented it on the Red Box, and it, it was okay. I mean, it served its purpose, right? Yeah, it was it was something to watch for a couple hours. Right, right. It's not so. that I'm it's not that I'm going to buy a poster for, 
you know, yeah. but it was it was I, just funny. I, I recall telling a couple people to check it out. So. <laughs> Santa Claus wielding a fucking revolver. Uh, so I'm recommending a movie that I've been telling you about for years, and I'm sure you've never watched. London. Oh, the one with Jason Statham all coked up in the bathroom? Well, it's not his film. He has a minor yeah, role. Yeah, I watched it. Okay. So I, I, I don't know. Ago. I don't know what it is about the movie, but I normally wouldn't, you know, recommend a film yeah, like this. Yeah, I yeah, would I roll remember. my eyes at something that's like this after reading the plot. Yeah, like, I remember. It's like it's Chris basic. Evans is all hung up on the girl, but and it's got an underrated cast, and Chris Evans just a rock solid performance in that in that movie. Uh, it, it's just appealing to me, and then. Add the banger of a soundtrack from none other than the Crystal Method. And oh, yeah. Out of nowhere showcase yeah. from Jason fucking Statham. And you've got London, my recommendation for this Yeah, week. like Statham's got hair and a big bag of Coke. Not, <laughs> yeah, basically. It's like, it's, it's, dude, like the entire time he's on screen, he's just snorting rails it's, in this fucking it's bathroom. It's something else, man. Especially when he talks about going into like the whole... S&M bar of like people were fucking yeah, shitting it, on well, him. I, th- I, I think the reason I didn't I didn't Getting hear to it as on. much is it's wild. It, it was it was doing that Guy Ritchie Quentin Tarantino back and forth with the timeline storytelling thing that I felt had been a bit you know overdone at the time. Um, but I did watch it. I, it's, I, I'd seen it. It's, it's on Prime. Years. It's on Prime right now for those curious. So check it out. It's called London. Came out about 15 years ago, 2005. Jessica Biel. Chris, uh, Jessica Biel, Chris, Jager, right? Chris Evans, Jason Statham. Uh, a lot of people. Good stuff. Check it out. Uh, uh, yeah, it feels. It kind of feels like a Guy Ritchie flick a little bit. Uh, what's Not just because Jason Statham, but just like the, the way it, it's like fast edits and stuff. Yeah. All right, so we're all gathered here today to celebrate the reconnection of our phones and this <laughs> bounteous Wi-Fi. This is Parasite. What? Okay. Is it okay with you? We're a whole Jesus I'm deadly serious. 
진짜로 이상한 게 뭔가 같아. 파라사이트 follows a poor family who scheme to become employed by a wealthy family and infiltrate their household by posing as unrelated, high-qualified individuals. First-time viewings. Uh, it's, it's just that. You see, this is actually uh, my, my first time. No, no, my first, it's my first time uh, since my first time. So, technically, that's my second time. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to... Suck at it. So if I'm not, um, I saw it in the theater by myself opening night. Did you really? I went into this movie completely blind. Yeah. Never watched the trailer. Never watched uh, behind the scenes feature. Never saw the poster. That's that's it. And the very vague poster that it is. Uh, just that, that little bit of marketing. Didn't read a review. Had your interest. I saw Bomber gave it ten out of ten. I didn't even read why. I just said, all right, sold. And nothing better than that. Opening yeah. night. Boom. Um, not me, sadly to say. Um, it was, it was, I had an advanced copy. Um, buddy of mine, when I used to work at Best Buy, he said, you know, slide me thumb drives with bootlegs, much how you did with the, uh, the old treasure chest. Yeah, because this came out during award season. So I do remember this and a handful of other films just leaking out so everyone could see. Yeah. It. Uncut Gems was another one. Yes, yes. Actually, the, the thumb drive had both of those on it. I watched Parasite and Uncut Gems for my first time the same day. Hopefully, your so, your copy had uploaded uh, subtitles. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like that. <laughs> fucking, sus- you would have been lost. Yeah, it was. It wasn't like that. That weird Suspiria. Who's the same guy that gave me the copy of Suspiria that didn't have the subtitles on it? Um, yeah, so that was that was when I watched it. It was uh, a couple years ago. Manny and I sat here, and Manny's Manny's not big into foreign. Film. I'm not big into foreign films either. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a hurdle to get both of us to sit there and, you know, read a movie, if you will. Um, and I don't mean to sound, I, I don't want to come off like closed minded like that. Ignorant. You know, I, I, I really don't want to, I, I, I know I sound that way, but I don't want to sound that way. Um, but that was, you know, kind of like the, the stopping, you know, or the gate, you know, and I'm like, well, hun, like it's, it won and it's 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 been nominated best picture let's it, let's it give it one best picture worst thing we could do we didn't pay a nickel for it worst thing we could do is turn it off in 15 minutes if we're tired of reading and i'll be and and she loved it. you just heard her she fucking loved it i'll be damned if we didn't sit here for two hours and read a goddamn korean movie and i'll never forget what it what did what did bong yun who say when he collected the award if everybody could just get over those two inches of letters on the screen you know um, there, there's more films out there for you guys. So it kind of opened me up, you know. Man, you are going to hate live top five. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I probably will. Rob, it's your turn. Okay. I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. Janie Jones, Clash from The Clash. Hey. Let's get it on, Marvin Gaye from Let's Get It On. Nirvana smells like teen spirit off of Nevermind. Oh, no, Rob, that's not obvious enough. Not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return? Lewis, so you can uh, get up a... Shut up, shut up. <laughs> white light, white heat. 
Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Though not and on mine. Massive Attack, No Protection. The song is Radiation oh. Ruling the Nation. Top five <laughs> favorite Korean films, a.k.a. top five Korean cinema. Uh, so I guess I'll just get five, four, three out of the way, and you can jump in after three. Yeah. Number five for me is Train to Busan. My number four is I Saw the Devil, underrated gem. My number three is Snowpiercer. Your number three? Um, my number three is this one. It's Parasite. All right. And, my, and granted, I'm, I'm curious about both uh, Train to Busan and I Saw the Devil. Just haven't sat down to pull the trigger. Yeah, well worth it. Number okay. two for me is Old Boy. Um, my number two, Snowpiercer. I just, you know. The whole the concept. I haven't I haven't bothered looking at that fucking television series. Yeah, we'll but, cover you know. it one day. So, my number one is this Parasite. Flawless. Um, my number one is Old Boy. Right, so we got this. Yeah, it's, I, I, I kind of figured our you know our five were going to jive. You know, I mean, there's there's not a lot that we get. You know, not a lot of Korean output that we get here in the states. No. Um, and I'm so granted, my eyes have been peeled. I'm starting to look. Starting to look at more. That Train to Busan, I think, is on um, Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. I watched it a couple years Airplane. ago. I haven't seen it since. I think the reason I'm hesitant is twofold. Is one, like, do I really want to sit through another subtitle movie? But then I just sat through this this morning. Yeah. I'm like, you know, it's not bad. It's good. But, but then I also kind of know the whole fucking third act twist. I'm like, fuck, why bother? But I've also done that to myself before because too. Because it's still a movie, right? Exactly. I've, I've I've done that to myself before too. Like just because I know how it ends, I don't know how it gets there, and I'm sure there's still a few surprises in store for me. Um. So yeah, man. I hate to say I didn't have five, you know, for this one, but it's it's not like I was, you know, I've been a huge fan. Like we talked about, what was it, the host? Mm-hmm. I've heard that. I've heard great things about that. I haven't mm-hmm. seen that. The host is good. Um, I've, the, I've seen it twice. W- was that the one with Gyllenhaal? Didn't Gyllenhaal show up in one Who? of those? Jake Gyllenhaal shows up in one of those Korean films. Oh, that's uh, Okja. 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 But it's, it's directed by... Yeah, Bong Joon-ho. Is he like the only dude making movies out of Korea? Oh. He's the only dude I hear about. Bong Joon-ho. Uh, old Boy was done by... Um, uh, it's Park Chin... Um, Park, Park, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, Park Chan Wook. Okay, yeah, because th- that's a we- that's the other weird thing is because they put their last names first. Yeah, like I, 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 at times I do get their names mixed up. Right, because like, so, like technically, if I lived in Korea, I'd be Elliot Sean Patrick. I noticed that doing my research yeah. for this episode, I was like, oh, their names are backwards. Yeah, kinda it's like, like they, they put the like last British name. of time. Right, exactly. Or, you know, when they, when they use a calendar, yeah, it's, it's it's like a little different than we do here in the U.S. Like, I'm Sean Patrick Elliott in the States, but I moved to South Korea. I'm Elliot Sean Patrick. Yeah. And you'd be um, Snyder Ed Penis Face. Yeah, good one. <laughs> All right, jumping into it. So, 
right away, I'm immediately sucked into this motion picture from the opening chimes to the beautiful score from Jung Jail, from who did uh, the scores for Okja, this, and of course, uh, and, and of course this, and uh, Squid Game recently. And you haven't watched. I haven't watched Squid Game now. You so. said you had like been hearing a bunch of people like yap about it. Like, oh. it's, I did. We 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 had a couple days. Yeah, no, you told me on the show. It was, it was pretty cool. Everyone else says the same thing. So one yeah. day, perhaps. Yeah, don't spoil it, but it's pretty cool. So this all opens the film with the credits over the window with this great shot of the the busy morning street as everyone's waking up to no more Wi-Fi because. <laughs> The lady upstairs finally put a password on the, on the uh, IP time. So Jessica is up. She's the, the, the so we got this family all on established. We have the father, Mr. Kim. We have Chung Suk or mom, who's the mother. Kevin is the son. Jessica, the daughter. So Jessica's a smart ass. Like she suggests the the most obvious passwords to Kevin, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Right. She's like, we'll try and like, reverse. Can you even imagine setting up a password after, you know, all this time and just finally putting on a password onto your your internet and just being like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or like one, two, or password one, you know, something common. Like, why would you do that? Like, nah, why even suggest that? Like, it's a kind of combination an idiot would put on his luggage. Like, don't lie, listeners. Um, I know at least one of you are listening. They're like, shit, I'm definitely one of those people that are that they're, they're talking about right now. I got that same code on my luggage. Yeah. Change my luggage password. There's a little Spaceballs reference for you guys. So the mother of the family, this... Uh, Chung Suk. Chung Suk. Yeah. Chung Suk. It's going to be hard to keep the name straight because I call them, isn't it like the Kim family and the Park, Park family? Park, yeah. So Park is your high class family. King is your, Kim is your low class. That's how I took my notes. Yeah. Chung Suk uh, needs internet to look at the WhatsApp for jobs because like, it's family gets by day by day by doing these like small yeah, they're, they're like, just lazy fucking hucksters oh absolutely let's face it they are just completely sucking off the teat and and i don't know much about you know south korea and and like how the economy is over there and what the social statuses are but i mean this this kim family is literally just laying about in a basement um Doing the bare minimum. Feeling sorry for themselves. Right. Feeling sorry for themselves, getting just enough money for beer and food. So the father here, Kim, he's just this honest portrait of the tired old man of the bunch, like pretending to sleep when um, they're, they to get yeah, the he's, the he, yeah, he's, she's like, wake up, don't pretend to sleep. We got troubles here. And that's, um, was it Chin, Chin Woi Sook? And it was, what's his name? He was in, he's a guy from he's in a lot of, he, Yeah, he's he in a lot of with Bong Joon Ho. Right. He's, he's your, the, the, the fucking, the badass dude in Snowpiercer. Yeah. Um, and then he goes and goes to the kitchen to feast on his morning bread. Yeah, he just like pulls a piece of stale bread. It's and like he's the, yelling that advice to the kids about like, like, where to find Wi Fi. Hold your hold your phone higher, and they you, climb if you up on the, the highest, dark, the, the the deepest corner you can. How find about something. you just subscribe to an internet connection and yeah. just fucking move to the corner of so your bathroom? Back corner of the bathroom is where they find this spot, the signal, and they've. Find the job making pizza boxes when the fumigator is coming through with uh, green stink bug chemicals. So I forgot to mention before why he's enjoying his bread. There's a stink bug on the table that he has to mm-hmm. flick away. So they got this fumigator 
Just he's he's just spraying the neighborhood. He's coming through like. But their windows the are streets. open, and, and they're like, oh, and Chong Sook's like, should we close the windows? And he's Kim's like, like, no, keep it open because you know we could use it free free yeah, pesticide. And we could use free free fumigation. Yeah, free pesticide. Basically, <laughs> meanwhile they regret it because they're just sitting there, and it's and it's. Like, not even a basement. It's like half a basement. Well, they're all sitting in a folding-up boxes watching this tutorial video on YouTube on the phone. Um, I, I'm not sure how because they don't have internet right this time. I, I, I thought the same thing. I'm figuring what, what, what he did. What I think what Kimu did back was like got to the corner of the bathroom yeah, and downloaded do it off of WhatsApp right. and then brought it into the living room for them to watch. So, yeah. And they he's figured like, out they could fold boxes if all four of them He's infatuated together. with this video because he's like staring at it all folding aggressively. Fumigators blowing the green shit through. The whole family is like, fuck this. He's like, hold your breath. And they're all like, like, nope, dipping out, and he's just sitting there, still folding. Yeah, they're watching just, aggressively. They are, they are green that, smoke, like he's the goddamn Riddler or the Joker or something. Right. They are that poor and that stubborn that they're willing to just sit there and. My man's but, determined. I mean, he's he's sucking up, but he sucks at his job. Yeah, because like, um, what is it? A pizza girls percent Quarter like a, of the boxes were either folded on the wrong line or not folded at all. Mm-hmm. So, uh. Chung Sook nearly fucks it all up by like calling her out or whatever, like the girl. And then Kevin's got to like interfere and like save the situation from being a complete waste. Yeah, like, he's he's like your uh, almost like your face man. Yeah, 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 exactly. You kind of got to look at like the Kim family almost like the A team. You know what I mean? Well, like it starts the that way as he's going to be like the main center part of the family, but right. then it really turns out to be Jessica, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, and more on that. Yeah, because she, she, she kind of spearheads a lot. So meanwhile, Kevin here, he nearly lands himself a job, too, before collecting his pay while mom and sister, like, ganging up on this pizza girl, like, really awkwardly and uncomfortably. Like, she's just sitting there, like, contemplating his advances, his offer. She's got all this money in her hand. Well, and yeah, meanwhile, she's, she's got, like, she's sandwiched with these two women that are, like, really close to her, like, oh, oh, and it's, like, awkward moments. Okay. Yeah, they're they're like, oh, well, you, you're part-timer kind of fucked off because of this or that. You need another part-timer, so hire my brother. And the brother and Kevin's like, I'll be there tomorrow for a formal interview. So Yeah, and then they have a family dinner. This is what this all leads to with... uh it makes me wonder how much money like they actually made off of this because it's it's a real dinner, but like it's still like sort of on the cheap. Well, interesting you bring that up. So I'm gonna bring this up a little earlier than than I wanted to. But um the way I can tell is let's face it, I know my beers, right? Um so at the start of the film, they're drinking like cheap, shitty, like low budget korean beer how up the up are you on korean alcohol you ever had a, a tall boy or sapporo i'm not even familiar with that name no nope. you never you never taken a shot of sake or anything no it's all right I'm a, I'm but a go better. on i so what would you would what, what what you see would you notice it because there's multiple scenes of the kim family you know congregating over a meal yeah. But as the film progresses, the quality of their meal and the quality of their beer continues to get better because they start off 
with the cheap, um, you know, I think it's called Firate or Fire. I don't know how you pronounce it. Okay. But they start off drinking these tall boys of like, you know, low budget, shitty, like dollar <clears throat> fifty beers. Right. But then by the time they ingratiate themselves at the parks, they've got fucking six packs of or eight packs of tall boys of Sapporo, which is like five times the cost. Okay. But again, it just shows where their priorities are. They get some money. They don't pay the internet bill. They pride. Well, they do. They, they say that they got the because they they celebrate. Oh, they, they celebrate, oh, the, they Wi-Fi. celebrate the, the Wi-Fi yeah. back on. Okay, yeah. the healthiest Wi-Fi. Ce- okay, I thought he was celebrating the neighbor's Wi-Fi. Yeah, because he says we're going to celebrate the reconnection of our phones. Okay, and then the bounteous Wi-Fi. Okay, but but after that, their priorities are let's get fucking drunk. So rather than you know get new shoes and clothes to get this sub basement smell off our bodies. They're like, let's go to the fucking liquor store. But they'll be the first to call out the guy trying to take a piss outside of the dumpster. Right, right. Being drunk and it's not right outside dark. It's window. not even nighttime yet. Right, yeah. It's, like it's not even dark. It's not even dark, and the guy's drunk taking a piss. So Kevin's got this friend named bad. Min who arrives uh, with a big heavy box, and immediately he tells off the drunk. He yells at him, like, seriously, like, I was getting scared as, as he was yelling at this fucking guy. All because he wants to take a piss. So, then he goes inside, and it's a big scholar's rock from his grandfather's collection that's said to bring material wealth to families. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice-looking piece in its little, you know, in, in, looks nice in its heavy. presentation, uh-huh. in its case. Nice and heavy. Yeah, I mean, you take it you take it out of its little mahogany base, it looks like a... Kind of, in a sense, not exactly like, but sort of like... Um, um, the, the the mineral from uncut gems it kind of brings this yeah that. yeah it's yeah it's it's not quite as shiny and as and no, enigmatic as, as i mean it's like um, five times Howard, the size Howard Ratner's opal it just looks like a big piece of limestone if you will is what it kind of comes off to me, like a giant, you know, hunk of limestone. But it's a scholar's rock. His grandfather right. collects them. He's got them. He makes the comment that his whole house is filled with them, and the uh, grandfather wanted says wanted, that it would it, food would be better as the scene yeah, before the. That's, that's what Ma says that food would be better. But Kevin, Kevin calls it so metaphorical. Something that he describes well, like, I, throughout I, I, the movie. I do like. I do like. There was a line that um. That mom delivers right before Min comes in when he's confronting the, the, the pisser in the alley. She's like, those college students sure have a lot of vigor. Yeah, vigor. <laughs> she's like, oh, those college students sure have a lot of vigor. Like, she's proud of them for beating up the drunk pissing in the alley outside of their window. And their window is like literally below. They live below yeah, street. Below level. up, yeah. And we find that out very well later. Right. On yeah. Yeah. There's there's a good there, there's a good piece on that. that we so doing. we cut to Kevin and Min. They're pounding shots outside of a quiet Korean mart with their own bottle. And yeah. They they went and bought some sake. Yeah. Which you've that you've is sake. Had. Okay. I wasn't that's, sure. Yeah. That's sake. Now technically, it should have been heated. Um. It's it's better when it's heated. You want to serve sake at about ninety eight degrees. Um, but still, either way, Sai and Saki, especially if you heat it, Saki will kick in the boo boo, brother. Yeah, for real. Min mentions a girl that he's been tutoring named Dahai and asks Kevin to tutor her for him while he's leaving the study abroad. Now, knowing Kevin needs the income, 
Min suggests that Kevin poses as a university student to take over his job as an English tutor for the daughter of this wealthy Park family. Says that disgusting frat boys will be slaving over to hide that, 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 that the thought of that makes him sick, which makes Kevin notice that he really likes this girl. He says that when he enters university, when she enters university, he's going to officially ask her out and calls her young and simple. So, well, no, he calls me, he calls Mrs. Park simple. I think he calls the high simple. I read it that he called that he called Madam Park. Maybe simple. I misread the, uh, the 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 subtitle. I could have sworn he was referring to Dahai as young. She's young. Well, young she's, she's young. She's young, young, younger and, and simpler. I think is the way he worded and, it. And Men's talking about how he's about to travel overseas. You know, he's traveling abroad for college, yeah. so he's, he's willing to hand off the tutoring job um, to uh, Kiwu because it's obvious the family needs the money. Yeah. Um, but the, the the when he's talk it's when he's talking about Madame Park, he's like, Yeah, the mother is is pretty simple. Who which Madame Park does come across as She very, is, very, she is. We're gonna meet her in a little bit. Fucking simple. Um So he gets his sister Jessica to do some photoshopping for him at the uh the yeah, public the library. Okay, no, it's an internet cafe. While smoking a cigarette like a fucking boss. Right. She knows she, her shit. Her name's like Key, I think Key Young. I, is her Jess- actual I name call her Jessica? Her yeah, her her pseudonym in the park house is Jessica. So it's like Ki Young is Jessica and Ki Woon is uh, Kevin. But um, yeah, yeah. Whenever Jessica's on screen, she just commandeers that shit. As soon as we see Kevin enter the park residence, there's a completely different vibe right off the bat. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's so night and day compared to the area that we've been spent the last 10 minutes. Yeah, like the cinematography looks really grimy. Yeah, the, the, the color and palettes, the, the the quietness, it just it feels it calm. Bright, yeah, it brightens up. Like yeah. He gets to that park residence, and yet even though it's got that kind of stone-cold, you know, gray architecture, it's still much brighter than the, the grimy sub-basement. Yeah, that the Kims live in, you know the, the trees. The trees got all their leaves. That's exactly what Junho's going for. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, and I don't know much. I, I don't know much about you know the the um, social class in South Korea and the economy in South Korea, but that's obviously what I think. His it's just message in general. Is. I don't think it's just directed well, that's, towards that, that's, South let's Korea. Face it, that, that's what his message is here. Yeah, it's, exactly, it's, 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 it's a clear message, clear-cut a, message. A, a, about, you know, the separation of class. Right. So we're introduced now to Gook, the housekeeper for the parks. Immediately makes a striking impression with the, how she handles greeting Kevin, giving him the grand tour right away, while spitting out architectural facts and cleaning up kids' toys before waking a clearly passed out madam. Yeah, she's got nothing better to do but to drink, the day drink she's out. outside, just passed out over the table. And <coughs> she's day drinking. It takes him Gook a couple of thunderous claps to wake her up. Right. Yeah, because madam's just like passed out, day drunk at like one o'clock in the she afternoon out in the yard. Claps right at her head to wake her up. What the hell else is a woman going to do? Nah. She's got a housekeeper to raise her kids. The kids are in school the housekeeper goes shopping her husband's at work she's home in this big beautiful house all day with nothing but a bunch of sake and sapporo at her hands can you blame her during the interview madam immediately tells kev that she doesn't care about documents because men recommended him and being as men such a brilliant human being in her eyes that's gonna earn kev the job ultimately she says that it's oh no 
I have my notes here. It's hard to ignore that fully stocked wine fridge directly behind Madame. Right, right. They, 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 I mean, the whole house is fucking awesome. Oh yeah, I'll it looks. That. It, it this looks house like is a fortress. Yeah, it's and and they, you know, they name drop like an architect named Nam Goong, who yep. I guess would have been like your he Korean version of he, Frank he Lord built Wright. It, lived there, was forced out. Parks moved in. That's. The story now. Now you and do Gook know was there the whole time. Gook was also yeah. The she, housekeeper. she was Nam Gung's housekeeper yes. while he designed it. Now, now you do know the whole exterior bit. The whole second level was CGI'd, right? It's my trivia tidbits has okay. Cool, the house, cool. So I figured you'd bring be that. good. Um, she's very blunt with Kevin and literally tells him if he's not up to Min's level, then get the fuck out or stop wasting both of our times. Yeah. She doesn't say that word for word, but basically that's what she says to him. Like, so she asked to uh, sit in for the first interview. She says, Is it okay we do? And we actually see in the subtitles. It yeah, says but, it as well. but it's also italicized anytime uh, they speak English in the subtitles. Uh, my notes here just says, This score and cinematography as Mrs. Parks walks Kevin to meet the high, oh my fucking God. So he observes her taking a textbook exam and. Um, notices notices that she's struggling with question number 24 right so he checks her pulse as madam perks up and tells her it's it's racing first he says it's that if that were the first question on the true exam she'd be screwed he compares taking the exam to struggling through a jungle and how it's important to keep slashing and to never stop and hesitate go with your gut with confidence especially intelligence what she needs in the end is vigor robustness physical strength good health what I like about this demonstration is Kevin's confidence. He's all in on this job and does a stand-up job in, in um, convincing this family that he's the shit and can do this. Well, he believes in the con. Oh, it's key. Exactly. In yeah. every aspect of the word. He's got to believe in his own he's, bullshit. Yeah, he's, believe in his own hype, if, if you right, will. Right, right. Because none of them are up to the task at hand. They're a bunch of fucking layabouts. I mean, let's face it. There are protagonists throughout this film but they're also kind of your antagonists too yeah if, you know if, I mean? if we're looking at that structure yes i mean there, there's there's very little redeeming qualities about this family you know i mean i get it they're trying to get a leg up but there's better ways to do it you can go out and pound the fucking pavement especially living in the environment they live in they, you know they're, they're within walking distance of jobs that may be hiring sure but no, they just kind of want to lay about and wait for some free Wi-Fi and a WhatsApp notification. So, Madam pays Kevin a good chunk of cash once a month for three weekly classes at two hours each. That's men's rate plus inflation. So, he's getting paid more than men for this. Yeah. She formally introduces him to Gook, and we're introduced to the youngest, their son, their son the song who is imitating a native Indian in the house with his fanboy personality. Yeah, he's got his own little fucking headdress on and he's yeah. shooting suction cup bow and arrows around And this is ignorance. This is this 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 displays ignorance and culture, in my opinion. Cause they're making a mockery of the native Indian. And that's how I'm taking this. Really? Especially at the party when Kim and Mr. Parker have to play dress up. Uh, as with the with Indian. with the, the old the old the, the old school like well I'm, yeah. on the flip side of I that, may be wrong. That's the, how I personally take this. I, I'm with you on that. I can see where you're coming from, but 
I will also, in you know, slight defense, you're defend the, best, the parks. The, uh, you're defending the fucking. What I'm gonna say shows over. is in slight defense. <laughs> The only thing they really had to go on is American pop culture, at, such as John Wayne, Cowboys, old, and exactly your I old John you. Wayne. You know your, your old, you know, you know Howard Hawks movies where they depicted a you know that type of shit. So that's gobble, all gobble. they really had to go on. Because you also remember when they talk about the teepee, she's like, "Oh, it won't leak. We bought it from the United States." So they're kind of yeah. on the, you know, they're two sides of the same coin. They don't really know any better. They don't, had they have known that it was culturally insensitive, they probably would have shied away from it. But to them, that's just how the Americans were, was John Wayne and Cowboys. Kevin's and got a schooler here, too, because he explains to her that the American culture of Cub Scouts uh, comes from. And how that's where the uh, Indian, Indian obsession stems. And he tells her he's a scout by nature. As she says, he's an artist by nature. So she shows him a painting, very colorful painting. That's, yeah, it kind of almost looks like Picasso drew with a crayon. Yeah. <laughs> Something that Kevin calls so metaphorical. <laughs> He's just like spilling out bullshit yeah. at this point. He's like, please pay me more. Uh, he guesses it's a chimpanzee and she right. tells him it's, it's like a self-portrait, which he sees after a few moments of awkward silence and then laughs it off saying the perspective of a young artist eludes understand, uh, which makes perfect sense to me. On the way out, Madam mentions how most people who care for the song don't even last a month. So a light bulb flashes. Yeah, in exactly. Mind. You see, they're going down the steps. You see, you almost see that light bulb moment. Yeah. Over uh, over Kiwoo's head, where he's like, "Ooh, I've got. I know somebody, a friend of a cousin who went to art school. Her name is Jessica." Yep. And sets up a meeting between the two. Highlight scene here. Jessica rehearsing her story before ringing the doorbell outside with Kevin. Jessica, only child, Illinois, Chicago, classmate Kim Jong Jim Kim Jimmo, he's your cousin. Right, but she but she says Signing. it to a rhyme. Yeah, in a rhyme yeah, with she, the whole it's, the it's like they, they sing It's a it. popular scene, I'm sure it's been, you know, viewed many, many times. Yeah, it's it's like the the way she commits it to memory is by committing it to rhythm. Mm-hmm. So in my notes here, I got. I'm reminded of Phantom Thread in moments like this because it's How so it's incredibly funny and it's clearly intended to be a comedy without the comedy label. Yeah, yeah you know, I thought I was thinking myself today. Like, am I supposed to laugh at this? This movie? is a clear cut comedy. It's, but it's it's a very uncomfortable comedy, much like Phantom Thread. Being, I think that depends comedy. on how much you're. Um, I don't know how how much. What is the word I'm looking for? Not personality, but I guess how it's it's ignorant. How much of of it? I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Well, right I, mean, I know what I'm, I'm saying. But I'm trying to get the words for it. What, what I'm saying by uncomfortable is there's there's many 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 funny moments here. Okay. Yeah. But would 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 sets I think a lot motion, of this. I think a lot of this is satire. Right, it's, it's satire is a very good way to look at it. Yeah. Um. And but what sets a lot of these funny moments in in motion is this Kim's family's under underhanded doings. They're just like, and it's nothing but at the end of the day, 
it's nothing but envy going on here. Yeah. They want, yeah. oh yeah, you know, they obviously live in a sub basement and want what the parks have, but they're not willing to put in, you know, the time and the effort to get there. They're right. just they're, right. which is why it's called parasite. You know, they're just gonna glom on and suck it to the marrow. You know, which yeah, we find out. You. you know, um, so yeah, that's why. That's why I mean, it's a very un- uncomfortable comedy because yeah, they're funny moments, but while you're laughing, you're laughing. You know, you start thinking about the moment you're laughing at, and you're like, wait a minute, to the other people, this ain't fucking funny. This is funny to me and these two people involved. But it ain't funny to the people on the other end of the punchline. In the 37 years of my existence, I've learned one thing about this. It's, <laughs> it's comedy. And comedy is always going to be controversial. Yeah, it's, it is. It is. You know? It is. You're, you're never going to please everyone with comedy. No, no, no. And you I think can't. that's the point. And I, I don't think, and again, it's, it's, it's what I liked about, you know, this and Phantom Thread is it's, they're not marketed as comedies. No. They weren't nominated as comedies but if you go with the right kind of eyes the right kind of mind and an open enough soul to absorb what you know the storytellers telling you you're gonna find the funny moments in there and but you're also gonna find moments where you're like man i shouldn't be fucking laughing but i am oh this movie takes turns this movie takes a lot of twists and turns it does so. it does like around that one hour mark it kind of you know yeah. peel the level of the onion back i'm like what the fuck this is not so, what i thought i signed up for you see the parks kids fighting over peeking around the corner at jessica's initial meeting with madam and kevin who uh leave the two alone while he goes up for his lesson uh the high tells kevin that the song is a fake acting like a genius that fourth dimension stuff is all fake an artist an artist cosplay i do love that line artist an artist cosplay yeah and then and i think this is the only problem i really have with the movie is is like how how old is dyson supposed to be at this point he's coming up on his eighth birthday. third grade i believe because they mentioned the traumatizing incident that we're going to talk about later on where it happened in the first grade first grade and they've been in the house for years I'm pretty sure he's in third grade, even though he looks like he's in first grade. Yeah, so the, the the biggest thing I have is the kid can't be that fucking clever that young to be able to be nah, thinking. I don't know. I really... Mm. You think? Yeah. Having a child of my own, I really do believe. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you could speak on a different level than I, I think that it's very with possible. That, at, at that age, that, that, he's, that kids, he's already... I've learned one thing about having a kid all these years, <laughs> is that kids are a lot smarter than you lead them to believe they are. And they're, th- they're thinking a couple steps ahead they're than where you're at? They're not stupid. Like, they're on step 15 when you're on step 12? Yep, they ain't dumb. They're okay. Really not. I'd say, look, out of, all, so, I know, all I know about kids is being one. So, so. to quickly change the subject here... Um, Kev, he asked what that all has to do with her studies before making her translate her story to English while using the word pretend at least twice. Uh, she um, then asked Kevin if Jessica is really his cousin's classmate and alludes to her being his girlfriend. And he laughs this off and plays to uh, the highest tune. She quickly changes the table and checks his pulse before leaning in for a kiss. And then what what what, the, what they're doing here is like literally in this one sequence, they're laying the foreshadowing out for the whole, 
like pretend is the word of the moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, there she's talking about how you know Dyson is pretending to be a genius, uh-huh. and how you know Kevin's talking about use the word pretend in a sentence, and um um uh, Dihan, I forget her name. Dahai. Dahai is talking about how Kevin's pretending that Jessica's not his yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. So she it's it's like they're slowly starting to peel back the fact that people are not who the fuck they are. No, no, not at all. And so we got both kids upstairs being tutored while Madam's physically nervous waiting for them to get done. Cook has to offer her plum extract mixed with honey to ease her tension, which yeah. sounds amazing, by the way. I think I'm going to try that next time I have a panic attack or uh, anxiety yeah, but attack. Yeah, she pulls it out of a mason jar filled with... It's old extract. It's just been keeping around, but it's right. still, you know, it, it, it's still extract. It's, I mean... It, I don't but, know how long you can keep it for, but it looks like it's been there for a minute. It's Yeah, they're, they're, they're these big-ass mason jars, yeah. and it almost looks like lack of a better term looks like nuts exactly it looks like it looks like, like, nuts. It looks yeah. like a, ba- a bunch of of uh, 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 of um but it's a seth uh, grundle's severed testicles they're, from cronenberg's the fly but that's what plum seeds look like <laughs> you eat a plum you'll know that i've eaten one plum in 37 years. all right so yeah but it's so they just sit there and like the juices gets drawn it's out extract. of them yeah and it's it not a just lot pours it out of this Mix, big take, take a little bit out mix it with honey Put it in your tea, I guess. That's is that what she says? Yeah. Mm, yeah, maybe. And then boom, bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> so then we like get our first glimpse of the basement area that'll come into play a little later. Mm-hmm. Gook comes down to get the plum extract when Madam rushes down to tell her to take two glasses of it up to the song's room so she can go in and see how the tutoring's going. So when they come up, the song and Jessica are there, and Jessica requests to speak to Madam alone. We see the basement light turn on, turn itself off as uh, Gook exits the scene. I noticed that after watching this multiple times, you notice things. I yeah, I didn't, I didn't the notice, I didn't notice, I, I didn't notice that light go off when when Gook left. Yeah, the Gook room. is still on the scene, right? And the light right, goes off, and then right. she leaves the scene. What I was more focused on Jessica just commanding the yeah. whole floor. Oh, yeah. Like she shows up in the mansion on her first day. And takes over the fucking yeah. house. Yeah, she's good. She's damn good at her con. So she asked Madam about an incident in the first grade that sets off a very audible gasp coming from Madam. Jessica points out that the lower right corner of the painting and calls it the schizophrenic's corner, saying psychotic symptoms often reveal themselves there and compares it to a similar one in the framed painting. She basically cons her into letting her work with the song for four two-hour sessions per week and calls it art therapy yeah my notes like, the hustle is real yeah it's and she's like and i command a very high rate i hope you're okay with that yeah and so, madam's like oh yes oh yes the phrenia the phrenia yeah that's what she calls it the phrenia like oh, i've heard of this before the phrenia so mr park dong eek and his driver yoon finally get home and right away i notice how the entire family stop whatever it is that they're doing to their to cheerfully greet his, greet this man like he's their god. Like he comes in, and everyone's just all like, "Daddy!" Like he's just well. Even she's like, uh, uh, you know, "Die!" They don't even call him by names. Like, Di, you know, Dai Song's father is home. Yeah, like he's got a title more so than a name. Madam introduces the, um, him to uh, Jessica. Uh, no, she tells him about Hiram and Jessica, and then introduces introduces the two and he right off the bat has his driver Yoon take her home 
um, so you and this driver, while he's taking Jessica home, he's like aggressively hitting on her until she lies and says that she's meeting her boyfriend at her stop. And then we watch her remove her underwear and hide it inside the back seat. Yeah, well, she's like the the way he's uh, progressively advancing. Mm-hmm. Like she had, I don't think she had any intention of catching that ride and hustling he, he, him. He, he dug his own grave. Yeah, he he's, he really did. Really he, did it. He really did because he he's helped like, his family out in ways he couldn't even imagine. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. So as he's as he's like being, you know, a little bit more, he keeps pushing and pushing. Like let me let me take him. Let me take him. She mentions the boyfriend then finally. Right, and that's when she sneaks her panties under the passenger seat because in her mind and and let's face it she's she's the sharpest tack out of the bunch yeah we established um, that for sure yeah. jessica and so within that split second she's like hmm another opening for we've already got two incomes out of this yeah. family let's get a third so while we're eating at a driver's cafeteria mr kim mentions about being a valley driver in his years prior and jessica tells kevin about the trap that she set in the bends something that kevin calls so metaphorical right jessica, Once more, jessica was asking you know her dad like you're driven bends before and he's like not when I was a driver, but when I was a valet. But he also mentions, and this is important because it comes up later on. Um, she's like, you were a valet? He goes, yeah, after the cake shop went bust. And that comes into play in a little bit. I mentioned the cake shop. I mean, I, I noticed the cake shop um, line. I just, I, I didn't pick back up on it. Yeah, so that, I got a note on it, so that we'll, we'll touch upon it when we get there. But yeah, like as they're coming through, because the, they're basically like at what we would know as like a Chinese-American buffet. Yeah. You well, know what I mean? I wanted, That's where note, I wanted to note, like Bong Joon-ho does a great job at, um, how do I word this? Just with minor details, like the, the family and the way they eat. They're, like, everyone but Jessica, the uh, the, the, the Kim, uh, Chung Sook, and uh, Kevin are eating like they haven't eaten in like two weeks. Like, yeah, they got just, their plates oh, are heap. Oh, they're oh. heaping. Oh yeah, and Jessica's and even, just sitting there like Kim's casually, like, you know, like, giving giving more food to his son. He's like, make sure you eat. Yeah, and it all looks good. Like, you know. and he gives him a whole spiel about all these foods and and you know and stuff. And it, it's just it's such a scene. It's something to just I don't know. One of the reasons why I love this movie so much is just. Stuff like that. So then we got Mr. Park finding the underwear tucked into the back seat of his Benz. Well, it's under the underneath the seat. The yeah, he's seat. riding the. You know, Yoon's driving him home, and he's mm-hmm. reading over some paperwork from the day's business. There's just something. Takes his pen to pull it out, and, and just, sure enough, it's a pair of panties. Yeah. So Mr. Park comes home, walking up the steps. The thing I noticed: the stair lights are coming on. And that's one. when I. That's when I first noticed the stair lights. Okay. As he's coming up, they kind of light behind him and at first i'm thinking okay this guy's so fucking rich he's got like a fitbit right he's got like a fitbit on that tells the lights when he's coming (laughs) so in private uh park shows his wife the underwear yeah and and in in private park shows his wife the underwear that he found and the two vent over the situation now one thing one little little detail i notice here and it's a difference between both of our cultures. I love how they have adult Capri Suns. Did you notice that? The drink that he grabs from the fridge is like a foil pack with a little 
like I don't even know what it is. Like whether right. it's, whether whether it's wine or juice or whatever. No, I didn't notice that at all. But during during the scene when when Mister Parr comes home and and tells his wife about the panties he found and thing, as he's like going through this tirade, he's drinking. I know he gets the drink because he sits on the sofa drinking the drink. Right, right. But but imagine like a Capri Sun that you don't plug a straw into. You just unscrew right, the cap. Right, right, right. And that's the difference between you know Korean and American culture. Yeah, you know it's and and I, I often like I wonder what was in that pouch. It it's probably wasn't a beer. Maybe it was some wine. More than likely, it was some juice. He's all but, about fitness, so it probably has something to do with it. Yeah, like, it's probably like some, you know, some pomegranate juice or some and shit. shit. But, I mean, that's that's just common, you know, in, and, and we've got some listeners in South Korea. I'm sure they can fucking tell us. The park says that they pay Yoon well and says that he's perverted and crossed the line for doing such an act in his boss's car. Mentions not finding any hair or earrings, but the underwear, and whispers into Madam's ear that it could be drug-related. Is she like cocaine, <laughs> meth? What yeah. if they find white powder in your car? So what he, exactly? He has Madam let him go without any mention of the panties or sex. Uh, Jessica is shown overhearing the entire conversation from behind the wall in the other room before she pretend, pretends that she's leaving, and it's at this point. I'm seeing the satire written all over the screen. This film is fucking brilliant. How do you, so how do you mean you're seeing the satire written over the screen? I mean, it's just like I mentioned before, how it's total satire. And I think this is the eye-opening moment here from just the way that we, we have... <sighs> Like this, this rich couple is so fucking elite. Yes, and and, and, and Bong Joon Ho away from the person who's scheming against he them. He is stairwell. showcasing the pretentiousness of this family. The elitists. Everything. It's yeah. it's just it's. Mm. And they think they're so above. They're like talking yeah. about like like a so big above, thing so is below. like the, this smell, the stench of the poor. Right, which really comes into play in the third really act. Really comes yeah. into play. Um. So on the way out, Madam asks Jessica about her experience being driven home the night before. She tells Madam that Yoon was very nice and insisted on driving her home instead of the like station. He was gentlemanly and cool. Where she wanted to go, but she went to the station anyway. She tells her that he won't be working for them anymore due to unfortunate experience. This is when Jessica plants the next egg in the family yeah, scheme. She plants a seed like, well, you might need an older driver. Mr. Kim. I used to have uh, uncle. <laughs> yes. Who drove and come to think of it, the family he drove for moved to Chicago. And yeah, Madam wants to speak th- with him immediately based on her recommendation. I'm deadly serious. I'm deadly serious. She says this chain of recommendations is best, this chain of trust. And then, um, Let's talk about Madam and this frequent English language that she well, she's, uses I mean, and she's why trying, she uses it. She's got nothing but time on her hands. And that's another reason why I say the word satire. Because this is the way she says it and it's kind of said in like a humorous tone for Korea. Um, I don't want to say mocks. I don't think it's a mock. No, no, no. I think she's trying. I think what she's trying to do I, I just, is I like, just, I find humor in each time that she says something in English and the way it's subtitled shows it as Right. Well. It's I, italicized. I, I find humor in that. I really do. So here's, here's how, here's how I read that is 
let's face it, you know, Madam Park has nothing to do between 8 a.m. and probably 5 p.m. Okay, so she's got a good, what, nine hours out of the day right? to just fuck around and day drink and pass out in the yard. So to help better herself, she's probably going to try to learn English. She's going to, you know, hop around on Amazon.us and order fucking teepees and fucking, um, you know, bow and air, bows and arrows and head Indian headdresses for her kid. She's got nothing better to do because her husband's left her with nothing better to do, you know? Um, but then there was also a moment where I thought, like, is this woman so pretty and rich? that she's also too vapid to realize that every single connection coming into their into their household is all connected together like she's, yeah. she doesn't even like like at some point a bell would go off like wait a minute it I hired just, the tutor. The tutor recommended the art therapist. The art therapist goes over her head. Right. It's like she's just come. She's just so focused on creating the perfect Korean. And a family. lot of it has to do with these unfortunate circumstances that the Kim family is portraying or de- demonstrating that that sets up you know these new additions to the staff. Or, like, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a great long con. Yeah. But it's a very risky long con because you're only playing it really against one person. Oh, there's so many reasons why this is risky. So <laughs> many. I mean, don't even techni- want to begin. Yeah, te- technically, playing it against Mr. Park counts as like a half a person. The balls on his family. But he's so fucking far removed from his home life that is literally just being going right over Madam Park's head. And she does just does not see like, all right. Be one thing if I hired a tutor and that tutor recommends art student. Like, okay, well, that, that's cool. But then that art student recommends somebody else to be like, wait a minute, I don't know these motherfuckers. And they're like third chain, you know, deep. And they're starting to bring more people onto my payroll. But she's got so much money. Right. She's just throwing the people who can make life easier. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That, so I guess it's exactly what it is. Like, okay, how much? Here you go. Here's the amount of money to make my life easier. They don't even flinch. They know they have the money. And right. it's just, here, throw it out there. So now we got Mr. Kim and Kevin at the Mercedes-Benz dealership checking <laughs> out cars. And Yeah, and, the, 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 the salesman's like taking our time, aren't we? Yeah, and then Mr. Kim has... Because we're just fucking around trying to learn how to yeah. use a navigation system. And then Mr. Kim has his interview with uh, Park, driving him around during the interview and says that he's been in the field for a long time and knows yeah, the and, very well. And this is where we find out what Park does for a living. He runs a company called Another Brick. And I, I, I don't know about you, I'm guessing Another Brick is like a tech company. It's gotta be because it looks like like when 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 Kim shows up for his interview, it looks like you actually see Mister Park. Um, he's using like the, the 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 controllers for an Oculus, like he's he's testing out some new technology, like a new product to be you know dropped in right you know your best buys and your right plus he's got to be doing something like this to afford all this right right so it's what i'm thinking he is he's like he's like some dot-com yeah you know billionaire and his company like at first i thought it was architecture but no sure enough that was who built the house so i think what what park does is is he spearheads like he's 
you know, in the founder of a, a you know, a dot com, a tech company. Well, I'll tell you what Park does. He's frequently looking down at his cup of coffee and this part <laughs> in the car. I don't know what it is about it, but it reminds me of License to Drive. Yeah. And, and the yeah, we're just like, we're, Mr. We're Phil just, character. Yeah, yeah, we're just like, if I spill one drop, <laughs> Corey slaves on the brakes. And I then, always thought exactly. the same thing. Yeah. Uh, every time I watch it, I'm like, it's License to Drive. I know where they got that yep. from. Yep. I remember seeing License to Drive opening night in North Point Movie Theater. Had no idea who Heather Graham was, but I suddenly had a not, crush. Not a, not a golden ring. No, nah, it was it was North Point. I I, I right. went to see the Corys right. and Heather Graham, where where the glorious Dundalk Walmart is now. I went to see License to Drive in North and Richard Point. Richard Major Major Major, yes, yes, Richard Major. <laughs> what was the line? What was the last time you thought you'd fit a Mercedes in the trunk of a Cadillac? Yeah. Last, <laughs> last. <laughs> and then uh, Carol Kane and that ginormous yeah. puddle of. Potatoes with ketchup. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. She's like on like a sixth baby at that point. Oh man, I've got some words about Richard Mazer too. Me and Justin have shared some. Shit, I love License to Drive. Uh, so the only role left now is for Mom to get that housekeeper job from Gook. The toughest job, in my honest opinion. Mm-hmm. The family taking turns speaking of her. She may look like a sheep, but inside she's a fox. Sometimes she acts like she owns the house. Yeah, it's a lot of voiceover work yeah. going on here. Of all the people in that house, she's lived there the longest. She was the housekeeper of the architect Namgung before she, then she went on to work for this family. When the architect moved out, he introduced this woman to Park's family, telling them, this is a great housekeeper. You should hire her. So she survived the change of ownership. She won't give up a good job easily. So we get a quick scene of Kevin and DeHai having a snack together when he when uh, she mentions not being able to eat peaches at home because uh, is that where that comes fruit. from? They're forbidden. I, yeah, it comes I from DeHai. I, I, I did not. I was wondering like how did yeah she how did it. how did and, and how did Key Young know about the peaches? She mentions it, was, it being forbidden fruit. It was can't from DeHai. And we see this excellent slow-mo shot of Jessica leaving the market with a peach as she admires and blows on it as she exits. Gook is completely allergic to peaches, including the slightest hairs from the top. If she's anywhere near it, she gets a full body rash, has trouble breathing, asthma, a total meltdown. So Kevin leaves the uh, the park's home as he dumps. I couldn't imagine that. Hmm? I couldn't imagine nah, that. Like, nah. I don't have any kind of food allergies. I don't, I don't think you do either, do you? No, nah, not at all. Do you know anybody that does, like, uh, like peanut or something like that? Or My aunt's like, lactose intolerant. She needs to drink almond milk. Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about, like, you know, one whiff of a certain type of food just, like, throws your whole body into turmoil. Nah, like, not, not personally. I can't I imagine what I that's like. I couldn't even imagine how that would nah. be. So we got Kevin leaving the house as he dumps a small vial of peach fuzz on the back of Gook while walking by. Yeah, he just flicks it on the back of her neck. And immediately we get the loud sound (laughs) of a terrible cough and a shot of Kevin laughing before we see Gook in the ER explaining over the phone that there weren't any peaches anywhere as Kim shows up and takes a selfie with her in the background. Scheming mother fuckers, man. (laughs) We're supposed to root for these people. Kim shows Matt on this photo and asks if it's their housekeeper. He says that there was he was there for an annual medical exam and noticed her. Now, he says he was taking a selfie for his wife. 
I'd like to see him stretch this one out a little bit further right. for my, my own personal gain because, like, why was this random selfie being taken? Is there tension between him and his wife? Uh, here's well, proof of him at the hospital. Why is only one half of his face in the photograph? Things like that make you go, hmm. Mm. So we cut to Kim rehearsing his lines of the housekeeper's reveal to Madam with Kevin cutting him off, saying that his emotions are too high and he's got to he's calm yeah, he's, it down. He's directing him. He's like, you're at 11, Keep bring it, it down to about 6. Yeah. So, I mean, these, 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 this whole family is fucking underhanded. They are fucking scheming. They are scheming as the day is long. Yeah. You know, they're just like, they're like, the less work, the better, the more money, the better. They've already got, and they're probably getting, you know, to us, I would say, let's call it $3,000 a month worth of income out of this family already. I think it's more than that. It's enough to get out of that fucking sub-basement. Right. Yeah. But they don't. They just buy fucking sirloin and Sapporo. So the scene transitions to Kim chauffeuring Madam while nailing his role as the concerned value driver, telling her that he overheard Gook shouting out, over, shouting out over the phone, saying that she had an active TB. Yeah, who the S- fuck gets tuberculosis? She was so upset that she could barely control herself, he says. I like how Kevin's so particular that he can even guess or assume everything that Madam's going to yeah, say. Yeah, right. She's like, Dad, she's going to say this, so you're going to say that. He essentially predicts her reaction. Like, right, is it right. It's all scripted. Verbatim. He <laughs> continues that by feeding her this BS that Koreans have the highest tuberculosis rates in the world and with the young child like the song in the house it's not necessarily good her being around with that so what does that mean like 12 people in in korea have tuberculosis i mean who the fuck is bullshit who the fuck has tuberculosis anymore so jessica gets a text from her father saying that he's three minutes away so she goes down and sprinkles some more peach fuzz on the back of gook's neck so that when Madame arrives with Kim, we get this shot of her coughing into a tissue or a napkin or whatever and tosses it. So he takes some red sauce, the icing on the cake. Yeah, there's, there's a little voiceover and cutaway quick, too, that you don't really get for to the make first it out, couple of seconds. Blood. He dribbles right, it on yeah, the, the, the like, napkin. You, yeah, you see, you, you see Ki Young like, here's the icing on the cake, and she dangles some more of the hot sauce in front of him, and then that's what, you know, Mr. Kim squirts on the napkin that 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 gook just threw into that and then this is his fade to black it. reveal of the bloody tissue to madam as her eyes slowly close is fucking gold. right and now I she's, love this shit. she's just like oh my god it's true i just saw her coughing yep. and now there's a red tissue in my trash can how can i have this woman around my children so madam calls kim into the sauna room upstairs <laughs> and tells she him text that they, him, like sauna room second yeah, floor tells him that they can't tell her husband about this and that she's gonna dismiss gook without mentioning the tb simply and quietly the song in this little indian get up matt uh get up watch wait the song in this little indian get up they watch outside through a quarter of a million dollar window panel as Gook is let go by Madam. This fucking window panel is just massive. It's, it's, it's gotta huge. be it's an entire. I mean, the quarter million shit was bullshit, but still, it's got to be something like a massively ridiculous, overpriced. You know, the, right now you now, got money, you're gonna buy stupid shit like this. One, one, one note, one note that I took that we kind of jump past a little bit is. Um, when there, there's a, a little bit earlier is when kim is driving mr park home they're talking about the housekeeper yes and he talks about like the only thing she ever really did that upset him was she ate too much 
Sometimes ate for two. She's like, sometimes she ate for two. I don't know where she put it all. But other than that, you know, I could put that aside. I don't like people that cross a line. She never crossed a line, but she always took a little too much food, which plays off in a little bit. Or did I get ahead of myself on that? You might have, but still. It's, um, we're really close. Yeah, we are, really we are. We are. We are. We are. And the I'm like, wait a minute. I, I, wrote those, I wrote those notes down. And we're going in chronological order. I swear I thought. That. It's okay. Um... Oh, this is it. This is the next scene. Because I, I have a personal note. I said, man, it's got to be so tough letting go after being there for as long as she has. Yeah. Speaking in the moment without the future events of the film haven't occurred yet. So, yeah, Mr. Park asks him in the car if he knows of any good bruised rib, raised ribs, uh, places nearby since he'll be eaten out. Mentions his wife not even letting him know why she let her go without while praising Gook's work before bashing her on her weight a little bit. And as he goes on and on about the housekeeping, Kim hands him this bogus business card from a place called The Care and describes it sort of as a membership service for A-plus housekeeping only available to families of wealth. Enter the call. Madam is displaying such pretentiousness as she's boiling clothes. She's fucking boiling clothes. Yeah, she doesn't know how to keep a fucking house. All the dishes are dirty. She's boiling clothes while calling this dedicated cell line with the card attached to it. So, uh, so yeah, Jessica's got this phone that has the business card like taped to it. So if they get a phone call, they know it's from this watch clinic. Right, right. And she and she fakes it like, give us all your credentials, send us a title. She asks for documents to sign up, such as a family registry, citizen ID cards, proof of income, such as a title to their property. And as we uh, we immediately cut to the final con, Chung Sook, like the others, she comes in with a dominant presence and nails her role 100%. She serves with such command. Mr. Park arrives home with the tower of things that he's bought for the family. Funny yeah, scene with Kim grabbing Chung Sook's ass. As a yeah, he's just like in yeah. a com- in a funny way because they're both like just. Yeah, Kim, Kim brings, Kim brings sort of. Park home like they just stopped the local fucking Best Buy and Park just bought all the cool yeah. tech toys. That's essentially what it is. Right. And he's like, uh, 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 Dyson, come play with your walkie-talkie. And he's got a fucking mound, which would easily be a couple thousand dollars worth of consumer electronics at that time. Yeah. Oh, easily. And, and, as, and as they're walking through the kitchen... You know, uh, yeah, you're right. Kim is standing behind or walking behind his wife and he like squeezes her left butt cheek yeah. two or three times. He like rubs it like a little circular. Right, he's like, hey, he look, we're getting, like, we're getting away with this shit. Yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah. Like they got their eyes on the prize and that prize is the Nam Goong house. Husband, wife, banner, that's all. Right. So little of the song notices Kim, Jung Sook, and Jessica all smell the same. Right. So now they've got to use different soaps and fabric softeners. Fa- yeah. Fabric softeners. Jessica says that's not all. They have this semi-basement smell to them that's all shockingly gone And meanwhile, did you notice she cuts the steak with a pair of scissors? In that scene, they're like grilling sirloin while the while while the Kims are sitting in the sub basement, right, having this conversation about changing soap and fabric softeners, doing four separate loads of laundry. <laughs> Jessica picks up this because they're grilling like almost like a yeah. little hibachi. Yeah, I know. And she picks it up with a with like a pair of tongs, and she cuts through this sirloin with like kitchen shears. That reminds me of Cobra cutting pizza with scissors. 
Oh, see, like I'm like I'm, why have I never thought of that? Yeah, man, Cobra. Ma- shit. Mandy would have my fucking balls in a sling if I start cutting food up with scissors. <laughs> That'll be the day. <laughs> so Kim Bass and the joy of four wealthy incomes now. He offers a prayer of gratitude to the great Mr. Park and the men. Let's not forget about men. They need to be praying to that fucking rock, let's face it. Well, you know what? The pisser comes back. <laughs> so Kevin goes after him with water instead of the rock. He wants to take the rock out after him. But yeah, then- he grabs it. Kim's and, like, and no. Kim's like, stops him, and and they hand and him the, like a liter of water. And the girls are recording all this in slow-mo with beautiful new camera phones. Yes, and there's a fantastic bit of foreshadowing, because Jessica's like, it's like a deluge. Yeah, yeah, I got when it. Because it, when it, yeah. when, it's like, it, it, it's, it's it. Kiwu, yeah. and, and the other neighbor are throwing water on the pisser. Right. And they're recording in slow-mo, and Jessica's laughing to herself as she's recording. She's like, it's like a deluge, and that's a foreshadowing. And not only that, we get this absolutely stunning scene transition from night to day as Mm -hmm. the slow-motion water shot at night Mm -hmm. fades into the song, observing the sunlight through his fold, held up through his sunglasses into the sky uh, in a POV shot. Yeah. Um, he's walkie-talking with his father about the weather while the high pouts about her uh, about the upcoming camping excursion for the song's birthday. They're packing so much stuff for a camping trip that even I can't. Uh, and no, she's like bring the, the projector in the yeah, like bring bring the digital projector so we can go camping and watch movies out in the woods. Yeah, sounds similar. Hey, dude, have I, have I ever sounds very about, familiar. Talking <laughs> about the farm party. No, I'm talking about me and Brian two months ago watching movies outside in the woods while we were camping. And oh, dude, I, I got you one better. About 12 years ago, we did it. You, you know the farm parties we used to do. It's where we got fucking Jenga. Never heard of it. No, the farm party. No, never heard of it. Uh, when we went to... We went I'm to, fucking with you, Ted. <laughs> so there was, there, there was one year... Um, it's uh, Gang, for, for the record, for, you know, me and some friends used to... You know, we had access to it's a farm like a, party. Literally a, a, in the name, a, of pri- it. a private farm on the neck of the Y River, and you know, in in uh, eastern eastern shore, shore Maryland. Maryland, baby. And um, we would set up tents, and you know, bond. It was a full bonfire of. It was literally like an outdoor rave. We had a sound system, DJs, the whole nine. Buddy of mine strings up a fucking bed sheet between two trees with a digital projector. And we're cranking God of War 3 onto yeah. <laughs> this fucking projector. I'm sitting there. I'm playing Kratos at like 30 feet tall <laughs> facing the Y River. It was pretty cool. So the family now have this entire place to themselves. Yeah. Laying around both outside and on the uh, oversized sofa. Yeah, they're just fucking living on it. I love that shot where like you see mom kind of wake up and, and she lifts Kim, up and there's Kim behind yeah. her. Like they're just fucking lamping out on the sofa. Jessica taking bubble baths. And yeah, she's got a towel wrapped tubs. around her head. Jumping on beds, feasting, enjoying samples. Yeah, everybody's like, yeah. It's like when you get to a when it's it's no different than like renting a high end hotel room and just like using every corner of the room while you can. So they're all in the living room at night, enjoying themselves. Kim getting fucking shit faced. Kevin mirrors Min and says that when uh, the, the the high enters university, he's going to officially ask her out. 
some scum scumbag stuff in my opinion. It's, yeah, yeah. That's where like at first I was start. I was like kind of thinking like Kevin might be running a neutral through line, but then he's willing to literally step on his buddy's toes who gave him this opportunity. Yeah, this is where and Kevin really starts to kind of like show show his his Kim roots. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm really not, not. more anyway. Kim jokes about how the police could be their in-laws one day, and makes various jokes about uh, what what could. Yeah, be. doing your in doing your daughter-in-law cleaning your daughter-in-law's socks. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> they talk about their acting, how they'll need to hire grandparents if they marry, how Jessica went to a wedding for someone she never met before and caught the bouquet because it got her an extra ten bucks. Kim brings up Yoon and what he's been up to. Um, uh, with a very intoxicated Jessica, yells at Kim to worry about her and this act, not fellow driver Yoon. Right, and, so and this, this is, is exactly when the thunder and lightning begins as well. Right, and and this is what I want to talk about about between the delivery and the translation. All right, I, I would like to think that our subtitles are, you know, as literate as possible to Korean dialect. But the way they deliver their lines versus what is written it's on the different. screen, yeah. Like I, I just it's a can't, little off. It's I, I, I like. I guess what I like. What, what I'm trying to say is, I think those words on the screen are delivering more the emotion than the actual verbatim. Is it, does that make sense? Yeah, and even though I'm, like, just every instance of the of the the the, the, the definition, I'm reading this movie and right and i, I really kind of wish it. i spoke korean no, so i mean can... but i'm reading it with confidence that these are the words and i'm trusting yeah. and i'm reading it with emotion and i'm still feeling what the movie's supposed to deliver uh, yeah i'm not just it's... sitting there for two hours looking at a screen reading words at the bottom for the whole time and not really paying attention to what's going right. on right and that's i'm able to enjoy a little bit of both worlds i'm enjoying the reading of what they're saying in their culture as well as enjoying the movie overall and taking in the emotion and, and witnessing everything that bong joon ho has to offer with parasite yeah, and, and granted I'm, I'm i'm there with you i'm a hundred percent on the same right. page but i i just feel like what's being translated like in the in the text on the subtitles versus the emotion on the screen it feels like different words should have been said. Not should have been said, but it feels... You, I, don't, I don't know how I could put it. Because you're not used to it. You're you're still, you know, like you said at the start of the show, like you're not really into Korean cinema. So right, right. This is just you, you're you're a novice to it, you know. And yeah, I, I, I guess just like, I, you know, the way I would say, fuck it, I don't want to talk about this anymore, would have come across... And a different emotion than I, 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 I right. I no. really don't know how to put it, but it's I like, am picking up what you're putting. She down. is so striking with mm-hmm. her delivery, but what she's saying kind of feels a little, you know, flat and lackluster. She demands attention. Now, keep in mind, she's, she's also very intoxicated yeah, right she's now. She's pounding fucking absolutely. Tequila. She can barely keep herself up. Yeah. So. The family's just sitting around, collectively discussing these fabricated plans for one day moving into the house themselves, and they're planning which rooms they take and how Jessica already looks comfortable living in wealth like this. During the fun, Chunk Silk makes a comment about how Kim would look if Park and the family walked into the door at that moment, and they'd scatter like cockroaches. 
<laughs> like at the house when they turn the lights on. Yeah, he takes way. offense to being compared to such a thing and knocks all the dishes off the table and grabs Chung Sook like he's going to punch her in the face. Even the kids are like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> and the two begin like, oh, laughing gotcha. together, saying it was a joke. Like, even the second time around, I forgot it was a fucking joke. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> and they're like, ah, we're just fucking with you. That's how low class these motherfuckers are. But then the doorbell yeah. suddenly rings and it's Gook returning. She won't stop ringing the bell and says that she's there for something that she left in the basement after being rushed out so quickly. Uh, Chung Sook brings her in and Gook heads to the basement asking Chung Sook if she wants to join her after being asked what she's returned for. Meanwhile, the others are hidden in silence, of course, while Chung Sook finally heads down and catches Gook sideways trying to push the cabinet that's been lodged by Yeah, she's underneath. like wedged up against the wall pushing and pushing. But there's something, her arms there's something the- underneath. Um, it's like a, it's that, like a steak skillet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a steak pan or something. Um, so this is when Parasite makes one of the most shocking transformations in cinematic history, in my honest opinion. Yeah, you did. In my yeah, humblest opinion. Hands down, like, you did not expect the film to go here. So this, enter it, horror territory. Yeah, it so fucking goes right when you were expecting it to go left. Her husband has been locked away down there. As he's been secretly hiding and living for several years. Four years, three months, and 17 days to be exact. Hiding from lone sharks. Gook knows Chung Sook's name and says the song still communicates with her. And that's how she knew that they were all away. Gook says that she cut the camera wire so everything's all good. She even calls her sis, which Chung Sook doesn't appreciate. Chung Sook threatens to call the police in front of a begging Gook and offers to pay for everything every two weeks when Kev slips on the steps, trying to listen, and the rest of the family falls and their foil has been revealed. Yeah. Gook and her husband, Junsei, that's how I'm pronouncing it, yeah. then take a video of them all on the floor on her, with her phone and threatens to send it to Madam Table. Yeah, you hear, you, you hear Kevin calling Kim dad, and he's like, don't call me dad. And she's like, no, she, got- yeah, and then uh, while Chung Sook's trying to kind of, uh, just kind of like alleviate the situation, she calls her sis, kind of like how she called her, go call her sis earlier, and she's right. like, don't you fucking call me that. Yeah, and then she turns around, she tries to flip the script, mm-hmm. and and the other lady ain't fucking having it no more. She's got the upper hand. Well, Gook and her husband are now enjoying the wealthy life while the family poses on the floor with their hands <laughs> in on the their air. Knees, their hands in the air he compares the like send button. daughter he compares the send button on the phone to a fucking missile launch button right and he's got his wife like impersonating north korea yeah like, yes yes, <laughs> like yes. news anchors talking about the great leader kim jong-un oh uh, yeah exactly and it comes about out of nowhere and it's so funny there's a real admiration for the architect of the home mr namgook um not nangum yeah one of my favorite scenes is the old housekeeper and her husband, like just dancing around in the living room. To the yeah, record. we see it all through dialogue and flashbacks right, of, right. of the yeah, couple basking in the sunlight. To like they used to fucking bask. They used to do the same. Yeah, fucking they thing. would bask in the sunlight they while no one else was home. Exact thing. They are no that the different. Kids are doing. No, 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 no These, different at all. They're both they're both lower class, but they're each trying to be get one upper hand. And you have that that flashback scene of them putting on a record. And it's like some slow Korean jazz type thing. But um, 
the housekeeper and her husband are like slowly dancing in the sunlight in the living mm-hmm. room and via revealed via a wide shot and it's, yeah. it's a really cool shot it is it's a great shot everyone scatters to clean while uh, i'm sorry i got ahead of myself <laughs> so suddenly the family take charge and knock the phones out of their hands as the fight continues for the phone jessica goes for the peaches and then the house phone starts to ring all of a sudden yeah and that's that's another great shot that i love is when they're in that living room and they're being threatened by whatever name is the old housekeeper and Nam Gung. Nam Gung. And then Kim like makes a lunge at the couch to knock her off to knock the phone out of her hand. They all do. They all charge him together right. collectively. And there's a giant scramble for the phone. Yeah. And he cuts to an outdoor shot. It's an outside yes, yes, wide shot yeah. through that full plate glass window. The in cinematography in this movie is top fighting, fighting over that phone. It's such a fantastic. It's what maybe eight seconds of cinema, yeah. but it just it just cements like a moment and an emotion and the story being told. And they're scrambling, you know, for her phone. So I mentioned the phone ringing. It's. Madame asking for Ramdan because they'll be home very soon. They got rained out at the camping trip. This is another fine example of this family's pretentiousness. They can't even <laughs> fucking camp because it's raining outside. Yeah. Like, boo-hoo. Like, I've camped in the rain in a tent. I've had rain get leaked in on and shit, you know. That's how bad it was. I've definitely been there, done that, read the, read the book, all that jazz. Um this family is a bunch of pansies. They can't even fucking, they can't even <laughs> yeah, they, camp. They want to go camping, but they want it to be perfect weather. They want their kick in the heat too. Right. They, they, exactly they, they want, they want the moonlight just right so they can set up their digital projector and, yep. and, and watch their, you know, copy of the dark night or whatever it is. Uh, so everyone scatters to clean while Gook and her husband are forced downstairs as chunks yeah, of cooks. Everybody's kind of like the the, the, the the like cockroaches, cockroaches with a light right. on. Exactly. So as the family arrives home, no, the the I notice that there's no lights activated as they walk up the stairs. Obviously, as Gook escapes Kim and runs up the steps, she's nonchalantly kicked back down by Jung Sook, knocking her head on the concrete wall. Yeah, in she the just process. straight like back kicks her while she's trying to hurry up and figure out how to cook ram goong. Now, well, now she's done. Things. She's about she's about to serve it. Yeah, and she kicks her down the steps. Ram that that Ramdan looks pretty fucking delicious with the sirloin too. Yeah, I know, right? Gotta have the sirloin. Yeah, it, it, it looks like the best pork lo mein you could ever eat. Um, but then you also notice how, like, for this duration, each family member's on a different level of the house. Right? They're all hiding on a different level. Like, yeah, like, yeah, I didn't notice that actually. Yeah, I, I didn't like, write it down, but yeah, I noticed it. Yeah, because you got miss, you know. The mom's right there in the kitchen. She's supposed to be there, so she's cooking the ramdon for the parks when they come home. You got dad, Kim's down in the basement trying to keep the old, you know, the other fuckers quiet so they can keep the charade up. You got Jessica, she's lying on the goddamn living room table, for Christ's sakes, Mm -hmm. hiding underneath that. And then Kevin snuck upstairs to the daughter's room to stash a diary. Right. And he's got to hide under the bed. So for a good 10 minutes here, we've got, they're all on different levels. Yeah. Hiding, yeah. hiding in this, in this high society house. 
Uh, Kim closes the chamber and hears uh, Gung Se yelling and praising Mr. Park, explaining Morse code and how he activated the lights as he hears him walking up the stairwell. Respect! Respect! Yeah, this guy's just fucking bug nuts crazy He's insane. living in the basement He's nuts. for four years. So Mrs. Parks reveals to Chung Sook that Dai Song had a seizure inducing traumatic experience on a previous birthday when he was in the first grade when he saw a quote unquote ghost who was actually Gong Se emerging from the basement at night. The flashback scene itself is mm-hmm. something seriously fucking scary. Those eyes. What is it with the eyes in this scene when he comes out of the darkness? It's well. What he, I think what he's doing is—is is it like um, night vision goggles? But how does um, he get them? Because well, it is fucking scary. I had to rewind it. Like, what the fuck was that? He's he's leaning into. He's leaning into the whole. You know. Uh, the Asian horror tropes of, you know, like the ring, you know, um, you know, that sort of thing, because it has that, that kind of black and white look where like the whites of the eyes are brighter than anything else. Yeah. And that's what makes it creepy. I think that's kind of like a scary Sam Fisher. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, but what he did is he is, is like, he, he like ramped up, you know, the white on the whites of his eyes and then darken the background. It's so, so focus that. Jesus Christ. Which is why, which is why Daisung would think there was a ghost coming up out of there. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's just the crazy man that's been living in the basement for four years that nobody knew about. So Kim asked Gung Se why he lives the way he does, and it's explained that many people like him live in hiding. He has no pension, and in his old age, love will comfort him. He then asks Kim to let him live there. Just let him live down there. Let me, yeah, let me be. It, it cuts a quick shot of condoms just sitting there stacked. Did you yeah, notice that? Yeah, I've noticed. I didn't want to and then they, up, And then they got, like, it's the other weird thing is right next to it is, like, he's got, like, a little skewer that he stacked the wrappers on almost like he's keeping a yeah, towel yeah it's like this guy's just fucking downright weird Kim then bags both Jungsei and Gook also checking on Gook to make sure she's still breathing in her knocked out state he then leaves and takes the crank with him meanwhile Kevin's dealing with a crying dog under his high bed and then we see the family regroup into the living room and are about to leave when the song runs down with his parents as he wants to sleep outside in his teepee tent in the rain. We see the family laying underneath this rather large coffee table. Yeah, it's already got like fucking bits of food and yeah. broken. I'm just scooping it down there to yeah, kill right. time. These like bits of glass and they're half-ass clean And they just slide underneath this big-ass coffee table and lay there quiet. Yeah, but compared to what's coming up in a little bit, <laughs> this, this is a walk in the park. Yeah, right. <laughs> no pun intended. Park <laughs> asks if the tent's going to leak, and Madam says no because it was made in the U.S. Yep. Funny line. The parks can the, the parks end up sleeping in the living room so that they can see their they can watch over their son who's out in front of them. There's quarter of a million dollar window panels bird's eye view that is a mi- that is a million dollar window if anybody said like this window costs a million bucks i'm like that's when i'll pay a million dollars for <laughs> so park asked if uh no i'm sorry the uh, 
Park mentions Mr. Kim's smell and says it's like old radish and he can still like, smell it. He can still smell it in the house. He yeah. says Kim doesn't ever cross the line, but his smell does. Mm-hmm. Something to uh, describes it to a subway smell all while they're right underneath that table hearing this shit. And that's, yeah, and that's that's where like it's literally, and what I love is is how, you know, Bong Yoon-ho attributes that difference, <clears throat> the differential in class uh-huh. is distinguished by a smell. What do you smell through? Your nose. Your nose. So you're looking down your nose at the the, the less fortunate. Right. I'd, I like to think that comes into play, wouldn't you? Yeah. No, I get it. I, I see what you're saying. Right. Park then starts to make a move when his wife and aggressively fools around with her in a very awkward moment. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> They get a little handsy. A little, little, little heavy. <laughs> while she's screaming numerously for him to buy her some drugs. Right. She's like, buy me drugs. Buy, buy me, me drugs. drugs. Jessica, Kevin, and Kim narrowly escape, even as uh, Depart, uh, that Depart wakes up uh, the, the parents, but then refuses to come inside. Jessica yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah. Like, miss it. Like, he, Kevin and Jessica get down the steps. He can't sleep. Exactly. And Kim's like, Halfway he's, there, he's but halfway like a fucking he just freezes. He has to freeze because the the you know, die, you know, Dyson calls from the yard like, oh, emergency, emergency! I can't sleep. The parents are awake now, and he's got to just lay there still. Meanwhile, it's coming down. It's pouring down, fucking rain. Yeah, the whole time he's been doing pouring this. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, they they get out. Um, of course. Uh, Chung Sook is staying because she's the housekeeper uh, still in her role. Jessica questions what their plan is now, but Kim steps up and reminds them that nothing happened because no one else knows about the incident but the ones directly involved. The family get home to a very fucking flooded house that's filled with fucking sewer stench and overflowing shit and a very eye-opening sort of woke moment coming from where we've been hunkering down at the 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 music really adds to the feeling of doom and anguish that surrounds this scene the shit's that the shit that's literally splashing from the toilet as jessica sits there it's just it's kind of fucking heartbreaking well um all right so there's, there's two things i'd like to talk about right now number one um I, and it's totally my fault. We kind of, we skipped past it just a little bit when we were talking about the whole reveal with, um, the housekeeper and, and her husband. away from the mic. I hate that. In, in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the crazy husband, what's his fucking name? Uh, Gunsight. Right, right. Yeah. He talks about how, you know, the reason Gunsay. he went in. Gunsay. Gunsei talks about one of the reasons he went into debt was because of his failed cake shop. That's the cake yeah, shop. That's that's the cake that, shop that Kim used to be employed at. Okay. That's that's what I picked up just as viewing. Okay. But then the other thing hey, is yourself again though. <laughs> with this scene, no, no, no. It hasn't um, happened yet. With with this scene, when when they all run away, mm-hmm. um, as you see the Kims heading back to their own home, they keep going lower and lower. Yeah, they're down the stairwell. They keep going like like they leave Until the they're high, literally in a pool. Like to, almost to the point where it's like they live beneath the city of Korea. 
Do you see what I'm... I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't take it that far. I'm not saying they live beneath the rest of Korea, but what I'm saying is like they're depicted as to be so poor, they are literally at the... like It's depicted at the, the very bottom, the very fucking bottom, because they go from this, you know, extravagant, you know, house on the hill, and they go down some steps, catch a subway... Get off the subway, go down more steps, go down more steps, and then they're down into the fucking alleys, and then they go down to their well, sub basement. We, we, we get this moment of defeat with uh, Kevin finding the anchor rock from the beginning, while Kim comes to a realization that this is the real world. It's now destroyed. Like this is it. This is reality. Like where we came from was just just a big, just a dream, basically. And this is our actual lives, and it's just literally covered in sewage and stench and it can't get any worse than this uh yes it can goat gets closer to her husband as this is occurring and says that she feels dizzy and has a concussion that's preventing her from seeing him and now can say in this fucking moment the misery having to watch his wife slowly die in front of him yeah he can't do anything about it no he's he's like duct taped to a fucking you know sewage pipe and he panics and he's banging his head on the right on the light button using right. morse code he's, he's trying to morse code to say the he shit needs out help. and luckily the song sees it now relocated to uh, at a shelter to sleep kevin asks his father what his plan was and that his dad and his dad says you know what kind of plan never fails no plan at all right if you have no that i made a point if you make no a- plan Nothing goes wrong. Yeah, if you make if you make a plan, life never works out that way. With no plan, nothing can go wrong. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, Kevin apologizes for everything, all of it, and says that he'll take care of everything. And then he's hugging that rock like his life depends on it. Mm-hmm. He tells his father it's clinging to him and keeps following him as the scene ends. Next day, Madam calls Jessica and invites her to to Song's big birthday party at one o'clock. The high suggests inviting Kevin too, and Madam thinks it's a great idea. The shelter that they're at, it's like an event the next day, suddenly. With like, there's, well, there's a guy, they have an announcer on the PA, they got music playing, and what appears to be a clothing giveaway. It's not, it's 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 like imagine imagine it being like FEMA after Hurricane Katrina. That's what that is. They're all housed in a gymnasium. So what they're doing is they're giving away um, donated clothing and provisions. That's that's what we're witnessing there. So you may have your house, but it's gonna be a party up in here. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah. There's there's some music <laughs> and shit, and the guy named we don't even know what the it's announcer said. But um, yeah, I didn't I, I didn't pick that up until this second viewing. But that's what that scene is. Is it's almost it's pretty much um the distribution of the donated proceeds from FEMA and, and whatever you would have in you know in South Korea during you know an emergency right. like that. So in preparation for the party, Madam has Chung Silk go to the basement to retrieve some tables and chairs and sort them all around the yard like it's a crane's wing formation, like Admiral Yi from the Battle of Hanson Island. Yeah, I mean now meanwhile, let's let's look at the fact that the Kim family, literally their entire existence is slathered in shit. 
at this point. Yeah, everything they own from their facial expressions, it's you can just tell like they're right. Just I mean, but about but the snap, their entire home is covered in sewage and runoff water. We established that, you know, but yeah, they've got to just like put on happy faces. And go up to the park house on the nice sunny Saturday afternoon. Cha-ching. You know, They're making money doing it. For what I like They're, to call the barbecue from hell. Making money doing it. Yeah. So so that Battle of Hanson Island, do you know who won that war, Sean? Uh, no. No, no. I'm not familiar with the Battle of Hanson Island. Did you study it? I'm just curious. I don't know if you knew or not. Um, I played a lot of Ghost of Tsushima, but that was based more in Japan. Yeah. Um, that's where I tend to get my um, historical knowledge is from, you know, video games. So, t- to me, this is a great example of how detailed and specific wealthy families can be with such glamorous events that are used to, in my honest opinion, show themselves off. This is a showcase. It's not a party for their... For, for their right, right. It's not it's a like, showcase. It's like, oh, it's our son's eighth birthday. It's not birthday. a birthday party. No, it's, it's like, is them come look off. at how well we're living. Yep. Exactly and don't bring any gifts. We're just nah. going to day drink and eat all dirt. We're going to bring gifts, but don't bring gifts. Yeah, don't bring. I told you not gifts. to bring a gift. Uh-huh. Uh, Why did you bring a gift? Oh, thank you so much for your gift. We don't need money. Madam has Kim show for her around while she gets drinks and stuff for the party while Chung Sook is outside working around Mr. Park. Madam notices that Kim's stench is really appealing today. It's really not appealing, but it's really strong. And uh, Yeah, she starts covering her puts nose. Puts the window down. She's in the back seat with her shoes off, and and Kim is propped up on the headrest too. I noticed that the way she's like lounged up in the back, and Madam with her feet all with her shoes off and her feet picked up on the kicked up on the headrest of the passenger seat. Yeah, living that rich style. But then she's like, "Ooh, I smell the poo." Right, Kevin. Right. And, and while she's doing that, you see the look kind of like yeah, wash over Kim's face, uh-huh. like motherfucker. I'm still getting Ke- stared down upon. Kevin is shit. Well, they just spent the whole night swimming around in shit so right. you're not going to get that smell off I hate to bring it to you yeah. Yeah. no shower at a shelter is going to get that stench off <laughs> no. I've showered at a jail before I, I don't care how many you know fabric softeners or you you rub yourself with it's not gonna nah. you can scrub three layers of skin off with lava soap it's still, nah. it's still so kevin stuff. is shown kissing the high in her room afterwards while looking out the window together she tells him kissing he was every she tells him while kissing him that he was thinking of something else which he denies of course and she calls him out for doing it again just now and he mentions his gorgeous the how gorgeous the weather is as we get a nice overview shot of the party now Kevin asks if he fits in with the setting before pulling out the rock that he brought with him and telling Dehai he's going down lower than the people down. He's going down even lower than the people downstairs. Because Dehai says, you know, don't you're still above even all these beautiful people. Yeah. And right. she's talking about who's on the, you know, the ground level, like the landscape level. And doesn't like, even no, no, no. mention he's got this big ass rock with him all of a sudden. Like pays no real I mean, she pays a little bit of attention to it, but just brushes it off, right. buys into his lies. Yeah, but what he also says is like, no, 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 I've got to go deeper. Which brings me back to the fact that, you know, the Kim family keeps going down and down and yeah. down and down and down. So there's, it's it's like what he's doing is, he, is he's painting that level of, you know, class separation, especially with, you know, I guess, South Korean economy of the... You know, so okay, so 
Park and Kim are dressed up as Indians and hiding and plot a foe attack for the party. Kim looks down. He looks done. He suddenly starts talking about Madam and her love for events and surprises. He also acknowledges Park for being a hard worker. Park then reveals that Kim is being, he's also being paid to be at the party and to think of it as part of his work. So Jessica wants to go downstairs to the basement and come to some sort of an understanding, but Kevin ends up going down with his big ass rock instead. And Kevin immediately makes his presence known because he fucking drops the rock. Dipshit. Before he fucking down. drops he it. He is so clumsy. Stumbles so down clumsy. the steps into the super sub basement. And he's basically him and his father are like responsible for them even knowing about them in the in the, the, the first place. Uh-huh. So um, yeah, these these Goop. these two are definitely not patriarchs in the this, traditional sense. Of well, this is also when we discover that Gook is dead. She's died from her uh, concussion. Mm-hmm. And slowly and quietly, we see Kev eventually fall into a trap set up by uh, Gensai. He escapes, but I try, and he uh, runs up the stairs, but there's a hanging noose. To get, that, yeah, what, 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 what Gensai does is like as... You know, as as Ki Wu is knelt over, you know, Kumsuk, you know, he's you know discovering that she's dead. You see this almost like the the dog catcher's noose, yeah, exactly come, what it looks come like. over his head and wraps around his neck. It just fucking latches tight. He gets free, but the the handle is still hanging, and as he goes up the steps, he gets caught in the door, and it and knocks he just him like back. jerks himself back. So Gonzai takes the rock and throws it down on his head. Fucking clobbers him. That that's a kill shot. In my yeah, head. I man, that's right. That's I'm so, that, that's like I, I'm watching it. I, literally, I was watching it this morning, and I'm like, I thought this kid lived. By the end of the movie, because it was only my second viewing, I'm like that was such a heavy duty shot. I forgot that he made it. Out at the party, we see everyone mingling around with Jessica singing for the party goers, and Kansai with his bloody face takes a drink, breaks the glass, and then that's not Jessica singing. Okay, it's Jessica's dope uh, doppelganger. Then no, it's, it's it's like it's it's one of it's one of Madam's friends because even when they're at the grocery store, she's like, yes, yes, come, you'll sing. I thought it was her. Daytime. No, 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 it's not Jessica singing. Okay, well, but it's yeah, there's a woman singing and Jessica's bringing the birthday cake out. Okay, well, Kanzai has you know the, the 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 drink smashes the glass, closes up the basement wall. Then takes the rock and once more for good effort, smashes it over Kevin's head yeah, he just drops before it casually heading upstairs. There, he grabs a kitchen knife and casually walks outside where he, point, he finds Jessica and immediately fucking kills her. Runs at her, stabs her in the chest, right in the heart, and causes the song to pass out after he notices him again because he, he saw him clearly. In right, the yeah, like, like the song's happening. He knows him. Traumatic it was that traumatic that he remembers him. The jig is now up. The family's exposed after Kim tends to a dying Jessica and observes a hysterical to hide and it's, I mean, bloody, this is, but still alive Kevin. This is like a barbecue from hell shot in slow motion yeah, because dude. people, as soon as, as soon as this dude shows up like with a bloody forehead, blood just dripping down the front of his face wearing all black he's carrying a it's fucking, more than his forehead his entire face is yeah he's, he's, he's carrying a michael myers kitchen knife he stabs jessica directly above the heart she drops down the whole party goes into a panic he starts swinging that knife around at everybody 
you know, and the, he gets fucking lunged at, I think. No, he doesn't swing at nobody else. Because he's, because at, at, at this moment, because we see Park yell for Kim to get the car keys, but he freezes and then tosses the keys at Park, but then they're blocked by um, Jung Sook and Kung uh, uh, Sai, who takes a moral impalement to the side with a barbecue skewer in this moment here. Yeah, he gets he gets skewered. Because I don't remember gets, seeing him swinging at guests like a madman. I don't remember that happening. I'm not saying he's swinging at guests oh, like okay. a madman. Okay, I took but it. He's, but he's coming at more than just Jessica with a vengeance. And he comes and, in. And, and, then, gets, and then that's when they're like, you know, she's like, Dad, relieve the pressure. And that's when the parks realize that they're all related. And then and you know, what, mom stabs homeboy in the in the gut with what the get, fucking What sets Kim off finally is he watches Park retrieve the keys from underneath the concise corpse, and then when he rolls him over to get the keys, he holds his nose and acts above the dead man after turning him over. Like right, it's like the scent causes Kim to just take the just kitchen knife and shit. Just like stab Park in the chest. He's just over it. Him. He's like, "How dare you be above us because of our smell?" And he takes the knife and, and kills. That's Park what sets it. him off. He kills Park with it, and then immediately we see Kim run for the house. So weeks later, Kevin is recovering from brain surgery and wakes up to a couple of detectives and starts laughing uncontrollably. One of the detectives says this is a common after brain surgery. No, it's the doctor. So it's the it's the surgeon that says it's common that after brain surgery patients tend to laugh. It's a, the it's one detective. Says it. No, the it's one detective. Det- it's, it's one detective. No, it's the older guy is a surgeon. In a suit? The younger guy's in the There's suit. There's two suits. No, no, no. No, no. The the, the younger guy's in the suit. He's a detective because that's who Kevin's like. Bro, we watched the scene. There's two cops. There's two detectives. There's yeah, two one's standing one behind. One, one doesn't say one. a fucking word. The other guy, the other guy, the older guy is the actual surgeon. He goes, one guy, because Kevin's voiceover says, one person looked like a detective. One person who, who was a detective didn't look like a detective. The other person was a doctor. He didn't look like a doctor. That's the older guy who says they're, you know, it, it's common that they laughed after brain surgery. Regardless, him and Chung Sook are convicted of fraud and put on yep. probation. They get off just probation. Jessica is revealed to have died from her injuries, and Kim, wanted for the police or wanted by the police for Mr. Park's murder, cannot be found. Kinsai has been assumed to be an insane homeless man, and neither his nor Kim's motive for the stabbings are known. We see Kevin. He's being tailed by detectives after his father. There's a mesmerizing snowfall shot of Kevin on a bike on a hike in the woods where we see that he's actually spying on the park's home from a distance, which is now being occupied by a German family. Yeah, it's like a little the voiceover where he's talking yeah, about... Yeah, the whole entire... You know, this whole entire finale sequence is done by two voiceovers, and we'll get to the second one in a moment. Um, and we see... He sees the message uh, in Morse code from the flickering light. And props to Jung Kajail's outstanding score being played here because it's a very touching piano piece that's the backdrop of this moment, in my opinion. Man, this next moment with Kevin's voiceover perspective now handed off to Kim's voiceover perspective. Uh-huh. <clears throat> it's just another reason why this fucking film is incredible as it is. It's not a home run. It's a fucking grand slam. Yeah. Kim who escaped into the bunker via the garage with the audience finally being able to see the cut cord. And it's the like a seamless back. segue, too. And when we see Gook's art 
not art, but we see her act. The, the yeah, clip. The, her handiwork. Yeah. And that actually, in turn, helped uh, Kim escape to the house. So, he's revealed to have buried Gook in the backyard and now raids the kitchen at night and sends the message every day, hoping that Kevin will see it. We also see him acting like Gensai as he's crying and apologizing to Mr. Park. My note here says, man, that ho- that house sold fast. Um, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't notice that he was apologizing to to Mr. Park. Yeah, he's apologizing. He's, I'm I mean, so I knew, sorry. I knew, I knew, that, I knew that guy. Sean had had. He's all apologizing his, to him. His, you know, pictures up he's a park, but I, I didn't know that Kim like mm-hmm. took on that guilt. Okay. And he's there's this the uh, probably one of my favorite lines in the movie, if not my favorite. Um, it turns out the Germans eat more than just sausages. Sausages, what a relief. <laughs> Um, oh, I could live off of sausage and beer for the rest of my life. Yeah, we know. <laughs> so we, he, he's using Morse code for the entire letter every mm-hmm. night. Yeah. That's a bit much. That's, I mean, and my shit, quote, what else are you going to do? But what if someone notices the Morse code one day and alerts someone like, hmm, I know something sketchy is going on at this house. Let me go alert someone. Yeah, but I mean, let's call that Tristan. What's that Tristan going to say? Let's uh, let's let's face it. The odds the of somebody sitting there and and waiting to decipher the entire letter and be like, oh, that one that <laughs> like that, Kevin does, th- so. that that murder you've been looking for 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 six years. He's in the basement. I could tell by the flashing lights. <laughs> I don't think it would fly. Kevin vows to earn enough money. One day, purchase the house <laughs> and reunite with his father as he's seen looking at the place, and then reunite with Kim as the scene fades to black. And after a closing shot of Kevin finishing his letter, ends the picture. That is Parasite from 2019. Man, this fucking movie. Yeah, man. It's heavy duty shit. Alright, trivia tidbits. Now remember that, because the more you know. I got one. Do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. What is it? How long would it take for Kevin to earn all the money to buy the park house? I I wouldn't. I, I didn't even fucking do the math. I have no 564 idea. years. No. Yes. No, no. It's committed. I, I believe it's, you. I'm just saying no to I'm, that. Like, yeah, that's, I'm just saying. That's just it. The whole thing ends on a fantasy and a fallacy. There's no fucking way in hell. That with the record that he walks out with and the degree that he's pursuing, he could ever possibly <clears throat> buy that house and save his father's life. Apparently, <clears throat> from what I've read, is if you listen to the song at the end of the film, um, it's him singing about how it took him 564 years <laughs> to save up the money to buy the park house to save his father. All right, let me knock these out. So Kevin's job, his house, uh, the out-of-home tutor, 
was chosen because director Bong Joon-ho realized that sadly the job is the only way that families from two extremes, two extreme ends of the, of the class spectrum in modern day South Korea can cross their paths convincingly in the story arc. Bong Joon-ho did a lot of sketches of the basic structures for the rich house. He further revealed that when the production designer consulted an actual architect that designed this house, the architect saw the sketches and said, no idiot would build houses this way. This is ridiculous. <laughs> According to the editor Jim uh, Jim Mo Yang, uh, yeah Jim Mo Yang, he edited the film in Final Cut Pro Seven, an editing program that Apple stopped supporting in 2011 on a computer that hasn't had a Surface update since 2014. He received an Oscar nomination for his work. The wide aspect ratio of 235 was chosen to accommodate the capture of large family, uh, the capture of large family group in a single frame, says director Bong, Bong Joon Ho. When questioned about the significance of the stone his character possesses in the film, uh, Wu Seek Choice replied that Bong Joon Ho didn't tell, didn't tell it meant something, and just told him to take care of it. The film was shot in 77 days. Really? The film was shot in 77 days. Uh, Bong Joon-ho first conceived of the film as a play, but uh, the first line itself got him thinking about the camera positions. He just realized that he had to do this as a film as always. When asked if he thought this was his best film, Bong Joon-ho shrugged saying his next one is his best, and then paused to say he hopes so. Uh, and finally, the first film since The Departed to win the Academy Award for Best Director without being nominated for Best Cinematography. Alright, so box office receipts. In the operational funds box, we will deposit 250000 American dollars. You take it out, we put more in. I want receipts. So the film premiered on May 21st, 2019 at Cannes, where it won the Palme d'Or, before being released in the United States on the on October 11th, 2019 from Neon and CJ Entertainment. It initially got released across three screens. Its widest count was 2001 screens. The opening weekend box office, again, limited, three screens, $393,216. Second weekend, $448,603. Total gross worldwide, $258.6 million against a $53.3 million budget. I think it made his money back. Yeah. I mean, I would argue this film would have made a couple hundred million dollars more if the pandemic didn't really because this film got a wild release here in the states i want to say mid-january of 2020 but then a month later is when all the shit went down and theaters were just cutting films left and right um this was one of them this is right around the time when that all started so all right let's go over to the critics corner and see what they had to say about the film
Alright, on Rotten Tomatoes, Parasite has an approval rating of 98% based on 463 reviews with an average rating of 9.4 out of 10. The website's critics consensus reads, An urgent, brilliantly layered look at timely social themes, Parasite finds writer-director Bong Joon-ho in near-total command of his craft. The site Metacritic has it at a 96 out of 100, indicating universal claim, universal acclaim. Uh, on the same site, it was ranked as the best film of 2019. And, yeah. New York Times described the film as a wildly entertaining, the kind of smart, generous, aesthetically energized movie that obliterates the tired distinctions between art films and popcorn movies. Um, in his five-star review, Dave Calhoun of Time Out praised the social commentary in the film, calling the overall work surprising and fully gripping from beginning to end, full of big bangs and small wonders. Variety described the film as a wild, wild ride, um, writing that Bong is back in a brilliant form, but he is unmistakably, roaringly furious, and it registers because the target is so deserving, so enormous, so 2019. Parasite is a tick fat with the bitter blood of class rage. Uh, AV Club gave the film an A minus grade, praising the fun and surprising twists. Parasite ranked first in a survey by IndieWire of over 30, I'm sorry, 300 critics in the best film, best director, best screenplay, and best foreign film categories. It appeared on over 400, I'm sorry, it appeared on over 240 critics year-end top 10 lists, including 77 of whom ranked it first. Of course, we know here it won the Palme d'Or. It also won the Best Picture at the Oscars here, as well as Best Director for Bong Joon-ho. Um, this just got universal acclaim up and down, left and right, everywhere. During Bong Joon-ho's acceptance speech at the Oscars, he paused to thank Martin Scorsese, a co-nominated director, whom Bong recognized as having historical importance to the history of filmmaking, which resulted in spontaneous applause from the audience in recognition of Scorsese during his speech. The following day, Scorsese sent the letter, I'm sorry, sent the director a personal congratulatory letter, which Bong reported uh, while on a speaking engagement at the film at Lincoln Center, where Bong stated that he could not share the full letter from Scorsese due to its personal nature. He did, however, share the conclusion of the letter by stating that Scorsese told him that you've done well, now rest, but don't rest for too long. Bong then added that Scorsese ended his letter by stating how he and how how he and other directors were waiting for my Bong's next movie. And yeah. I mean, I mean, to top that off is like the, with with that acceptance speech is where, you know, when he when when he grabbed that Oscar, he looked at the camera and he's like, "Guys, just get over the two inches of letters on your screen and give our films a little bit more attention." And there's you know there's more out art out here for you, right? You know, and this was the first you know this. This was one that's just like, you know, me go, okay, I should start, you know, leaving my comfort zone, if you will. You know what I mean? Maybe if I can get beyond the subtitles, there's another story to be told. Like, I don't watch a lot of foreign flicks. Um, 
aside from you know this one, the last one that I think hit me, you know, as deep was uh, "Let the Right One In," which what was that uh, Norwegian, Scandinavian, the uh, the, the 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 vampire flick. Yeah, it, it, I haven't seen the movie in twelve years. Right, so. right, but you know, again, I was able to embrace that, so it's why I didn't have a lot to you know bring up on the top five. But again, it's because. You know, I'm guilty of, you know, of as most viewers. I'm a little bit closed-minded. If it doesn't have Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm not going to look at it. No, i got to stop that shit, you know? Right. We're almost done. Yeah. Park the fuck up. You're slouching on me. <laughs> You're just kind of like... Come on. <laughs> look alive. All right, biggest takeaways. Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Every single scene in this movie is integral. Shout out to director, I'm sorry, editor Yang Jinmo for really being the driving force behind making this happen, as well as Bong Joon-ho himself for playing a part in that. The cast list for this two-hour-plus film is very limited, and for good reason. There's a ton of character development throughout this movie, and I just love how these three families are essentially the, the film's sole purpose, outside of Nim, the pisser, and the guests <laughs> at the party at the end. Uh, one of the most beautifully shot films I've ever seen, hands down. That'll I'll say that till the day I die. And finally, there are just too many overall thoughts and feelings for me that come after watching this. Just wow. So, I I guess I think what it is 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 I still feel a bit of a disconnect because I get what what he's going at. Like he's he's focusing that lens. You sound like or, Justin right now, because that's what exactly what he said after I watched it with him for his first time, and he was didn't quite get. Uh, I hope I'm speaking for you correctly, Justin. Uh, he didn't quite get the whole class narrative either. Well, that's and I think it's because we're talking about two completely different countries and two completely different cultures. Like I don't, I feel like I, I like I want to know more, more about. What's going on in South Korea to appreciate what, you know, what he, but, what Bong Yun who gave to his country. But again, I don't think he's speaking specifically in like no, he's, Korean and, 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 and he's, and, and I think he's, it's an overall thing, an right, overall look right. at the class. Right. And, and, and he's not, and he's not, but there's still enough, there's still enough cultural differences on display. Right. Between these two films, that it always caused me to take a pause and think, wait a minute, what do I have in, you know, life in the continental United States to compare that to? Yeah, right. And that that tends to take me away from it a little bit because I'm spending more time thinking on, well, how can I fucking relate to this Mm -hmm. over here? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's 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 my only thing. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a gorgeous film. It packs a powerful message. It delivers an undeniable punch at that halfway mark. Like I had no idea 
the you know the little Korean film that could that kept getting talked about during the Oscars a couple of years ago had had such secrets hidden within its story. Oh yeah, you know, like with, the without, first with, time I saw it, I thought right? Without being spoiled, that. like I thought I was just going into like you know a satire, like you said, or a drama. And then all of a sudden, at the halfway mark, it just yanks a rug out from under you. And you're like, oh, now I know why the world's talking you about You get this a piece movie. of every single genre possible in this movie. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, you know, there's a little bit every of horror there genre. going on in the basement. There's a little bit of tension and thriller. There's definitely a lot of comedy and satire. Um, and again, that's what, that's what the industry's missing is, you know, there's, th- this is, the most original work we've gotten in the last couple of years you know yeah and i think that says something about the year 2019 overall i mean if you look at that year just overall in a big grand view of things that i thought that was an artistically creative year for filmmakers Uh, a lot of strong projects came out that year because like You've got this. You've got Midsommar. You've got Joker. You've got. I mean, I'm, I'm just spitballing movies at the top of my head. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, there's just now, so you, much now, to go around. It was, in, was it just like everybody's everybody's formulas? You know, bubbled over at the same time, or did they seize the moment in the industry to release their product? What Pure coincidence. Pure coincidence. I, I think so. I don't I see don't. like Bong Joon-ho like right like they all like, like they're like they're, they're all on a group text message. No, going, oh, no. Hey, Todd Phillips, when are you releasing it's that Joaquin Phoenix clown movie? I mean, yeah. you know, it just it, it was it was it was a good year for film. It really was. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I think it's it's one of the few years where I could say I'm not mad at half of the big. The big trophy winners. I yeah, mean, you had what? Phoenix walked away with Best Actor. Mm-hmm. You had Brad Pitt walk away with Best Supporting Actor. You had Bong Joon-ho walk away with Best Picture. Yeah. You know, and all of which I could stand behind and be like, you know what? I completely support that decision, even though I'm not it's a, good year. a part of the motion pictures at Arts and Academy and Science. Good year for film. Yeah. All right, Mulligan moment. If you had to do it all over again. Would you make the same choices? Uh, for me, nothing. Even the runtime is perfect. I ain't changing a damn thing. I love this movie from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, I can't find anything that 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 falters, that you know, dips me away from. I don't want to say monstrosity, but from the underhandedness at hand. You know what I mean? Like. Let's face it, we're watching a lot of underhanded shit going on and the comeuppance, you know, beyond that. Um, and yeah. there's, there's nothing there that, that, that is filler. You know, nothing that, that no. maybe. It's like I said, this film follows a very specific set of people for good reason and it stays on them and focuses on no one else besides name or the pisser and, and random yeah movies. that's that's a, that's a bad the closest the closest i could get would be percent these families yeah the, the closest i could would be men in the pisser it's like integral. maybe if there's one scene that i don't think that, that i think could be excised without removing any heart of the film would be um um men and uh kiwu 
have in their sake. They could have delivered that over line of dialogue. We never even hear from again. <laughs> I'm fine with that. You know, right? There's no conc- There's no like he's continuation. Set up, he's between, set up, but there's no payoff. Yeah, right, 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 right. Like you almost expect men to swoop in. And I don't. I don't need the film to do that necessarily. No, honestly, no, no. But so, but and am I wrong in thinking no, that at some I, point I thought men was going to swoop in from the states? Like to be honest, hey, I'm I, back I, for I, I'm back for Christmas break. What the fuck are you doing? To be honest, I completely forgot about him. Right, exactly. By the so, by the start of Act Two, you yeah. completely forget. He's he's your MacGuffin. Yep. He just he gets he gets the Kims to the parks and that's all he does, yeah. you know. So there's, there's probably if there's a MacGuffin moment, it would be it would be his because you could probably just easily write it in the dialogue, and keep and keep the plot going where it's going. All right, finger looking good. Finger licking good. Uh, for me, it's the reveal. The reveal, you know what I'm talking about. The reveal mm-hmm. with uh, Gunsai in the basement cellar where the yeah, film essentially becomes a horror movie. Slow motion follow. This movie becomes pr- creepy for a little while. Right. And it gets dark and, you know, it, it, it morbid for a couple. For a <laughs> but yeah, it's this, tense, this man. movie Everybody, gets twisted and it does get tense. fucking scheming. You know, it, it's just uh, again. I got to acknowledge the film for having balls to do such a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, to go from one thing to another to another to another, and yeah. to be consistent and still coming out the way it did. Like, pff, stay true to his roots. Chef's kiss. Mwah. Yeah, great shit. So, how about you? What's your favorite moment? Um, I should, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that as well as. Uh, as well as the, the you know the slow mo fucking window phone fight, like a lot of that slow mo wide shot cinematography that they pull off in this, it it sells a moment. Excuse me, it sells a moment in ten seconds that I've seen other films spend ten minutes trying to sell. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, like you can kind of feel the emotion based off of you know wordless action and just set framing and sound design than you could with you know modern exposition um but yeah you're right that that whole reveal as they you know everybody scrambles down into the basement you're like wait a minute i thought this was a goofy comedy about some you know layabout koreans Holy fuck balls, what the hell are we into now? Right. And that's literally, like, I paused it this morning. I'm like, fuck, man, that's the halfway point. You're halfway through the film, and they tell you what film you're really watching. Right. Like, you were sold a ticket for this? Well, good. Now that we got your asses planted, now that you're here, you're riveted, you're committed, let's get to the story at hand. All right, final thoughts. I say we uh, tie a bow on it and put her to bed. Uh, for me, it's, just, it's, it's simple. Bong Joon-ho, just give me your next film. I want to see it already. Uh, I love this to death. Overall, home run, not even that. Grand slam, just... I, I've already just described from start to finish my overall feelings of this movie, and it's just... It, it never... 
ceases to amaze me. I've watched this film now collectively six times. Six, really? Six, and wow. every single viewing is an experience. So this is only my second, and I feel you know I kind of feel love, bad about that. I don't want to. It just it, it it earns one of my highest recommendations to anyone who's never seen it before. Yeah, I mean it was a bit of a hurdle for me. Like I said, like I'm not a big. I don't want to say I'm a big, not a big fan, but I I don't seek out or you know gravitate towards foreign films but if they get enough press they get enough traction you know then maybe i should you know give it a look and i finally did and i'm like wow okay i did overcome those that two inch you know barrier on the screen thank you mr who um so that's where i'm at with it too um i would i'm looking forward to seeing what the guy has next He's a fantastic storyteller, and that only that that makes me wonder, like, who else is he inspiring outside of our country to tell their stories? You know what I mean? Not like mm-hmm. is is there, you know, another up and coming class of you know South Korean filmmakers that are going to deliver us more magic that you know we're not getting out of. You know, out of Tinseltown. All right. This episode is sponsored by Sweet Delicious Georgia Peaches. <laughs> it's more than a fruit. It's more than a weapon. It's peach life, baby. <laughs> more than a weapon. All that being said, this film definitely gets the film effects seal of approval, and that will bring things home for this edition of the show. One down, many more to follow. If you enjoyed this episode and want to continue to support the show, then please do so by leaving a five-star rating and positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever accessible. It helps with the algorithm and it helps us grow so more people can check us out. We've got some big plans ahead for the show. Mm-hmm. By the time this drops, we'll be talking to people like D. Stone. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. like D. Wallace, Mark Scheffler, and Susan Lanier. Not going to reveal all the fun, but let's just say 2022 is going to be a very nice year, and you can all help us by recommending the show to friends, maybe even family. So if Cousin Todd's being a pain in your ass for the holiday <laughs> season, you know, send them our way. While you're at it, check out our website at podpage.com where you'll find our ever-growing collection of previous episodes and then buy some merch from tpublic.com slash user slash film effect podcast. Brand new, brand new designs coming just in time for Christmas. Next up, we are going to be talking about, well, our next award winner, Best Picture, No Country for Old Men. Ooh. Speaking how we just talked about Josh Brolin last week. Yeah. Talk about him again next week. Yeah, the Brolin bounce back, baby. That was the beginning of it. Good shit. Good shit. Yeah, sure. Man. Looking forward to talking about that one. Yeah. Great film. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah. So until then, why don't you uh, do, Take us out. do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> All right, man. We'll do the damn thing. Okay, gang. Until next time. And I shall see you again. When those theater lights go down, the opening credits begin to roll. Thank you, everybody, for your time and your ears. I've been Ed. That's been Sean. It has been fun, but now it is done. Until next time, see ya. Check you later. Bye, Felicia. Bye.